This is the 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to the 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! Yes, that is me! DJ Spider, and you are you, the Beat Sorcerers. What up? Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for tuning in. We are almost 70 episodes deep, about a year and a half into this podcast, bringing it to you every single week. We drop these episodes on Wednesdays. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Audible. We're on Google. We're on Amazon. We're on every single possible platform you could be on. So however you want to listen to this, tune in. I have people hit me all the time like I'm listening to you on YouTube. I'm like, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Whatever you need. You're going on a hike. You're going on a drive. You're chilling in your house. You're listening in your shower, going to the bathroom. I'm here to talk to you. Talk you through those times. So thank you for listening. Spread the word. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep climbing the charts. And please spread the word to all your DJ friends, music industry friends, and anyone that would be interested. I'm here to help, help educate you guys to the best of my knowledge through my experiences. So hit me um, at DJ Spider, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R on Instagram or Twitch. Um, or even Clubhouse. I'm on Clubhouse now. I've been speaking on a lot of panels, and I'll be starting my own soon. Uh, so find me on Clubhouse at DJ Spider, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. Send me a message on any of these platforms and connect with me. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you guys or bring any value to your life and help you through these crazy times we're going through. Um, I am here for you. And you guys have been here for me, which I really appreciate. And you know who else is here for us? BeatSource. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. It would not be happening without BeatSource, so we got to give them the utmost props. Can you give people utmost props? I don't know if I just made that up, but I'm doing it now. Thank you, BeatSource. Thank you, the BeatSource family. If you don't know what BeatSource is, it is the new digital music service for open format DJs. Every single day, something new is being added to the site, whether it's songs or playlists or anything. All of the expert curators on there making these playlists are DJs, just like you and me. Or if you're not a DJ, you can be. But they're all in the top of their field. The people doing the dance playlist, the Afrobeats playlist, hip-hop. And then just the people doing the back playlists. I mean, there's music all the way back, 50s, 60s, 70s, anything you could ever want. Plus, now they have implemented BeatSource Link, so you're able to DJ off of the cloud in your hardware or software, especially Serato, which is something I know a lot of us use. Uh, and the locker system is now in beta. So if you have the beta of Serato and you're listening to this episode, you can download it and try out the locker system where you can DJ offline. You can tell all the songs from the cloud to DJ into your computer. Uh, and soon enough, within a month, we will be in the full official version it is going down. We are growing day by day. Uh, everything is just getting bigger and better. Uh, the site keeps improving all the time. So go check it. BeatSource is the truth. It is the future. I believe in it. I love it. I've been using it all the time. Hit me if you have any questions. I got you. And um, soon enough, I might have a code for you guys to enter. We'll see. Are, are we getting to that point yet? I don't know. Either way, get on BeatSource. 
Um, and uh, besides that, how are you guys doing? Let me know what's going on. I have been streaming on Twitch at least once a week, uh, if not two or three times, doing some pop-ups. I've got some other shows coming soon. So subscribe or just follow my channel um, at DJ Spider on Twitch. Uh, you can even, if you're an Amazon Prime uh, member, which who isn't at this point, you can give me a free subscription. So hit me with that. Help us, help us both out. Okay, then you can join my Discord. You get access to all types of exclusive remixes and things that I put up there for my subscribers in my Discord, and the link is up there on my Twitch. Enough self promo. Um, I have been lately super engulfed in this whole nft situation with artists and music i'm so interested in that world uh there's been so much happening in in that world and the world of um djing and mixers i'll be on pioneer djs twitch and youtube and facebook channel getting interviewed in a couple days on thursday probably the day after this comes out uh demoing some things off the s11 uh, so I'm super hyped on that. Tune in. Um, but now I want to let you know about the unbelievable guest we have got on today's show. Uh, we've got a true legend in the DJ world. I don't use that word lightly. Uh, although he comes from the world of hip-hop, reggae, soul, and just all-around open-format DJing and scratching. He's a real dope scratch DJ as well. He is really best well-known for his role in a massive band called... Called Incubus. That's right. I, you may have heard of them. Uh, he's been in the band for over 20 years. Uh, this last year was supposed to be a 20th um, anniversary tour, which got, you know, killed by um, COVID. I mean, uh, not using that word insensitively, but it, it basically the tour got shut down by this entire pandemic. Um, and so hopefully we'll be coming back 2021 or maybe 2022. We'll see how it goes. Um, but they are ready to go. I got to speak to him a lot about the band and what they've been working on, and it's super exciting. Uh, in this episode, we discuss his beginnings in the DJ world and how it eventually led him to his role in the band. Uh, we talk about streaming. He was streaming on Instagram and then moved to streaming on Twitch. Um, and we talk about his tour stories, which there's no shortage of. Some absolutely unbelievable tour stories and and people that he's connected with around the, the world. He's traveled more than anyone I know, probably. Um, he gives us little-known facts about Incubus songs, how they came to fruition, super interesting stuff. We talk about his evolution from DJ to being a keyboard player and so much more. His setup went from just being two turntables to a massive setup with keyboards and samplers and pedals and so much dope, dope stuff in there that he plays on stage with the band now. Um, we even discuss the hottest thing in the art and music world right now, NFTs. If you don't know what that is, it's non-fungible tokens. Go ahead and look that up. There's a lot of tutorials coming out about that. But that has been a massive thing in the music world right now that people are jumping on. Uh, people like Blau just did this whole campaign where he basically sold his album to the, all these people and auctioned it off and made $11.5 million. This guy Beeple has sold his paintings for millions and millions of dollars. Someone sold one on the secondhand market for $6.6 million. It's crazy. It's changing the art and music world. So we discuss how possibly Incubus might be able to contribute to that world or Kilmore himself. 
um, and how it could create a stronger community with our fan base, bring them together. And we discussed all of our theories on on that. And it's just the beginning, so who knows? We're just brainstorming on this. But it was really fun to talk about that with him. He's a forward-thinking dude, and it was really, really interesting to get to know him. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes to date, and after recording this, he's one of my favorite people. Uh, so it's my pleasure to bring to the show DJ Kilmore. <laughs> we got DJ Kilmore in the house. Thank you for being here, dude. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. You know, it's like good. 80 degrees in LA and. I know, you know we're over the holiday right season and, and the coronavirus seems like it's starting to, you know, get over the other side of the hill. Yes, please. So, yeah, it's like, I feel good. Yeah, coronavirus, get the fuck out of here. I know, I was yeah, looking man. at like one year ago today and I saw like, I think I DJed in Vegas. Uh, it was like yesterday, my Instagram's like one year ago and I was DJing like at a Hakkasan, like big ass spot. And I remember my thought process of like, I flew on like that JSX airline where it's like way smaller flights out of Burbank. Cause I remember yeah. thinking like everyone was talking about this coronavirus and they didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm like, I don't want to go on a plane with this shit. And like, what's Vegas going to be like? I remember tripping out like one year ago today, but never did I think we would be like locked down and, and having this conversation now, yeah. you know? Yeah. None of us did. No, crazy. Because even <laughs> yeah. like in March of last year, I had DJ Craze on the podcast and I was watching back and we were in person, you know, in an office talking. And I remember saying to him like, yo, are you going to change your touring schedule to like not go to China because of coronavirus? Like we didn't I didn't think it was going to affect us here like this and be such a massive change to our, our life at the time. And then going forward, probably forever. So fucking yeah. nuts. Yeah, I was in Europe a year ago. Uh yeah. and I'm um my my hobby aside from DJing because DJing started as a hobby and it's a career, but it's still a hobby. Of course. No, you're <laughs> it's, real. It's skiing. You're I, real I love DJ. to Yeah, I love to get on the snow. I love to go skiing and let's be up like in the mountains. Like I you know, I'm not the most religious person, you know. I I grew right. up in a church because my parents made me go and things like that. But yeah, but I feel like when you're like on top of a mountain and there's, you know, not a lot of people around. Like, that's the closest you're going to get to God right there. Yo, you, you know I totally, I, mean? like, I relate 100%. Same. Like, I'm not really religious. I grew up, like, we're Jewish, but it's kind of like my culture more than my religion in a way. Like, and, but I like to yeah. think of things spiritually. And, you know, my wife's real spiritual and got me into meditation and all these things. So, but same. Like, I did this gig in Mexico. It was like this. And we were four hour drive from like Guadalajara airport. Like I forget the name of the city and we're across from like an active volcano. And it was like, I was DJing. You could see every star in the sky and I was playing, I think it was like a house song, like that MK 17 song. And it has those like these vocals that just like give you the chills. And I, I remember like looking up and just being like, damn, like life is amazing. Like I got that, just yeah. that feeling like you're closer to yeah. God. Like, I don't know who I'm close to, but some kind of spirituality, like you're up <laughs> yeah, on this mountain, yeah. I'm playing music, we're connecting through music, no one's even talking, it's like, the music, that's yeah. the craziest shit, is how music can connect all of us, you know what I mean? Like, 
that's yeah. what I've seen through through Twitch has been so cool. Like, I'll go on a bike ride and I'll be in Brazil listening to like the dopest Brazilian DJ ever. And then all of a sudden I switch over. I'm in Philly listening to Jazzy Jeff. And then I'm in Tokyo listening to DJ Kango. And everybody, even if we don't speak the same language, like we're into the same things and we're connecting on that wavelength of just music. Yeah, we all have. Yeah. Like you say, like, even though we speak different languages, we all have the same emotions and that's what, you know, music hits those emotions, you know? So it's like, you know, obviously we tour all over the world for 20, 25 years yeah. and we go to a lot of countries where the cultures are completely different to the point where right. I'm like, what is going on here? And <laughs> yeah. then as soon as we hit the stage, it's like we're in LA playing a concert or something, you know, it's like the right. same reaction. Yeah. That's so crazy, man. It's just like, it's even when you see it, how like people that are potentially like have dementia or Alzheimer's and then you see those videos where they could hear a song and it like opens back up a part of their brain. Like that's how like magical music is and, and how important, like that's why DJing, yes, DJing is this fun thing and everyone likes to say, Oh, you're just a DJ, but there's something really important about DJing and connecting everyone. And, and it was shown through this quarantine too, how D nice became this huge DJ and everybody's flocking to Twitch and Instagram. I mean, there's something about it. Yeah. Me, me included. Uh, yeah. You know, there are just DJs. There are those DJs, but there's there's like, you know, you really need to respect the art form. And when you see somebody like a Craze or a Newmark or Z Trip or Jeff, yep. you know, I keep I keep keep naming names, but when you see <laughs> yeah. these guys that do it well, it's mind blowing. I it's mean to this day. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like, what? No. It's it's like yeah. we were just talking right before we started recording. We were talking about DJ Newmark, and I was saying how I watched him on Craze's page do this set that, like, I mean, I felt like I was, you know, 14, 16 years old. Like, he, I got like a rush of energy. I was so hype. I was hitting all my friends, like, you got to see this. Like, I got to go practice after this, you know? So it's <laughs> the, the people that approach it from the right way, like, it's you're never too old or it never ends. You know what I mean? It's like what Jazzy Jeff said on this podcast. He's like, I hear people saying they quit. And I I got a problem with that because you don't quit. You maybe you stop doing it for a bit, but you're never going to quit. If you're a real DJ and you started for the right reasons, you're you're always a DJ no matter what, even if you're doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah, that's that's yeah. uh yeah, that's the <laughs> truth. Um, well, dope. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, you know, we have so many different kinds of DJs on the podcast, and I I think you're probably one of the first DJs that has had such a career where like you went from uh you know DJing parties to being a battle scratch DJ to being in a rock band touring the world. Um, and you know, I've had probably like a a lot of unique experiences compared to a lot of other DJs. What, um, what has it been like just this past year, not touring? Cause I'm sure you guys were on the road every year of your life. What's it been like just being at home? Have you learned anything new or anything you took for granted? Uh, that's a, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, let's unbox that question because uh, you go through the range of emotions you know yeah when, for sure when COVID hit and we went into quarantine obviously no one knew how long it would be and incubus we we had you know a 20-year anniversary tour coming up with our record morning view 
Wow. So we did Make Yourself two years, 2018 was 20 years on that record. So we did a reunion tour on that, and we were gearing up for 2021 this year to do Morning View, which is our biggest record. So when we got the, you know, we came to the realization that we couldn't do the tour, you know, that, that hurt. That's like, well, this is a celebration. Like, and, you know, we've been through the ups and downs as a career, as a band, and now we're coming out the other side and it's like, oh, here we go. This is a celebration. And it's like, stop, (laughs) stop. So, so that, that was tough. That was really tough. And we had a record. We, we wrote a, uh, side B EP to, to EP we wrote years ago, like 2015, I think it's called trust fall side B. And that came out in April. Oh yeah. And, it's like it came out. We couldn't promote it other than doing some video stuff, and we couldn't go on tour behind it. We just couldn't show it to the world the way it needed to be. Right. So the beginning of COVID was really hard on us as a band and me personally because I mean, obviously, my release is being in front of people playing music, whether it's DJing sure. or playing keys with the other guys or whatever. And, you know, I'm focused on that and I'm planned for a whole entire year of doing this and it's nothing. Yeah. And, and so, so that was tough. That that was really tough for me. I'm not going to lie about that. That was just like, emotionally, it was just like devastating. And then, you know, obviously, you know, from the money's perspective, you know, you everybody is plans on their nine to five job or their freelance job, whatever it is. And now none of right. us have it. So that was hard, yeah. you know, but yes. there are good things that came out of this as well. You know, right. Uh, I've definitely got better at scratching over the last year. It's something that I've kind of, I've always scratched just as a stress release. Like yeah. I just do it. Oh, same. I just do it. Yeah, same. I remember, like, when I got married, like, I was gonna throw up. But I was like, "Yo, I'm so nervous!" Like the day of, <laughs> and we had we had four turntables set up for like the party after, and I'm like, "Everyone's gonna get on, have scratch sessions at my wedding," and I had to just go scratch in order to like get myself chill, you know, like to just yeah, chill out. Same. I'm and same I did, and way. I was like, "Yo, I did it," and then I was like, "Okay, I'm myself now." Like that's my only way to 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 release and to also get back in touch with why I've started if I ever get lost of like what should I be doing or I'm stressed out I just literally go grab my old scratch records or just load up Serato and just start cutting and it's like it brings me to that that other place so I really I totally relate to that yeah I I, that's me and so instead of just zoning out and getting to the zen state with scratching I actually like focused on it and kind of went back to learning everything again even the baby yeah. scratch i was like i can do this better i was like I, right. okay i can do this better i got better timing okay let me try to drop it behind the beat the way yeah. i want to like right. even, like i got i got really technical with everything no and, i know what you mean yeah because even on twitch people analyze you like i was like yo i'm gonna have a cut session the other night and dj revolution was in the chat and I'm like, oh, great. You know, like that's yeah. the thing with Twitch. You know, these legends are in the chat watching. And so I was like, yo, Rev, like, don't don't judge me too hard. But I'm also I'm going to scratch. I'm in my house. And he's like typing like 
keep your hand parallel to the record for the release and you'll be 50% faster. And I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. That was smart. So like I went right? back through the comments and I was practicing later. Like he's right. I'm not, cause I was doing this. I was lifting my hand up after I would let go. And, yeah. and I'm like, this actually, yeah. I'm glad that I put myself out there because same, there's things, habits I've developed over 20 years of scratching that I have to go back and change and scratches that I never learned because I'd be in front of people and I was like, I can't do this scratch because I can't do it good enough. And so, but I still want to learn to do those more advanced scratches. Oh man, I, I was on a, uh, I was on that queued up summit with craze and we were talking about things like that. And, and I was like, yeah, we were talking about COVID and being in COVID. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't think my scratching has been, as good, good as it has been since I've been in COVID because I've kind of sat down and like learned all the scratches, relearned, like relearned everything, like reprogrammed yeah. myself. And I have a weird way I've learned scratching in, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm an old ass DJ, but uh, I learned it on, uh, I can't even remember the mixer. It wasn't a rain, but it was a rotary knob mixer. Wow. And I was, I was at this under, 15 club or under 21 club i was 15 and i was djing with this with this cat who who was like the head dj there and his name was brandon and he went by dj b coy and uh he would scratch in his sets and i'm like yo man how do you do that and he's like well come over so i came over and that's what he had and we were learning to just scratch with this rotary you know, fader is not, I don't know if you call it a fader, a knob. Or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And and I was just listening to like EPMD and cash money and, and all these old school DJs, you know, like just that are just transforming and doing the baby scratch. Right. And just by ear trying to hear how they did it on the records or whatever. And there were no videos, obviously, you know, you know that yeah. there wasn't any, there wasn't the, scratch pickles putting out videos on this is how you do it there wasn't no beat junkies academy you know it was like there was like there was like recordings of the dmc and you'd see like dj swamp like lighting shit on fire or like crazy things but (laughs) but it wasn't like doing the hand plan on the turntable you remember that i remember watching that with my friends were like yo like you're like what is this guy doing (laughs) but it was those you're watching like mind-blowing stuff or like some young child named a track coming out you know doing something amazing but but it wasn't the instructional how nowadays you could literally log on to the Beat Junkies Institute of Sound and learn the beginner yeah. course from Babu and D Styles. You know, like yeah. if my son wants to learn, I'm going to be like, yo, I'm going to log you on to this, you know, Beat Junkies yeah. thing and you learn from them and then I'll help you afterwards with your homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think all yeah, that stuff I is mean. great. I think it's yeah. great. I think that you shouldn't rely on it though. I think if you can learn scratching by ear and what you hear, then you'll yeah. be more fluent with it and you'll have your own style i think that's really important but like if you want to go learn the orbit scratch or you know learn the whatever you know the crab six layered octopus scratch whatever like it's cool i love that one you know yeah that's a good one uh uh it's cool you just i agree you just gotta make it your own style i think right And, and so so basically the way i learned to flare for example i i swing it i can't i could never start the flare scratch with an open fader on the one i'd have to same <laughs> get into it with a with a baby scratch and then go and then that would put me like on the upbeat 
Yeah. So my 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 flares were always on the upbeat, and people are like, at that when we have scratch sessions, they're like, "How do you swing it like that?" And I'm like, "This is the only way I know how to do it." That's like, so funny. This is what it sounds like to me. So <laughs> so you know, I I spent a lot of time this year during COVID learning how to be like more straight on on and and you know like doing the flare the right way and things like that, yeah. which is only added to my arsenal, which is kind of. I'm kind of super proud of myself for learning all that stuff. I know. In but, a way, it probably makes you more excited to get back out on tour because you're like, watch this. You think I was doing yeah. dope shit before? I got this ready to go. I'm like, like yeah, I, my swing. Yeah, I'm like, I could go from the swing flare like straight into the straight version of it. And I was telling crazy, like we were talking about like the orbit flare or something like that. And I was like, I, I was like, technically, I don't know how to do it. But well, I know how to do it. But technically, I could do it three different ways. Right. You know, it's all about moving the record and manipulating the crossfader and you can do yeah. it a bunch of different ways and get the same sound. It's true. So, I have like I have some weird way of doing it, too. And sometimes I can only use like my three fingers on my right side with the thing. And somehow I'll recreate a sound that is supposed to be another way. My friend's like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. Like I'm doing because it's the same thing. I just used to listen to DJ Premier and I would just play it over and over and try to go, how does he go? You know, and just that's all I want to learn. Then how do they go? You know, and like just those little. And so that was it. There was no learning. I would just listen to, I would listen to Z Trip, DJ Premier, DJ Cuber, Shortcut. Okay, how the hell is Shortcut going? You know, and like, I yeah. just w- kept doing my hands until, oh, like three months later, I made the sound, you know, after just sitting in my house and whatever, smoking weed, practicing all day long. Like, dup, dup, dup. oh, yes. I made the sound. I got so close. Okay, I'm there. Because yes. there was no yeah. technical stuff. That It's almost harder for me to go back now and learn the technical stuff. I've been trying to. Um, yeah. yeah, well, like when you retrain something that you've already learned, like an old habit, it, it's harder yeah. than just learning from scratch, for sure. Right. Yeah, because I'm on some like old dog can't lose, learn new tricks shit where you just, I have these habits that I just go to. And same with that flare thing, like I can't get into it the right way. My friend's like, leave it open. I'm like, I can't. It just doesn't work for me. So I I, I do it my way. Like it's, I'm still making the sound, but um, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So that's dope. Well, at least you got to work on that. Yeah. So things like that. And then, you know, like we were talking about before. Like, yeah. we basically can go on a DJ world tour in our living room, our bedroom, yeah. or just on our computers. Mm-hmm. And just being able to see all of these DJs, for me, is crazy inspiring. Because, obviously, when I'm on tour, like, I don't see any DJs. Right. I'm, I'm touring with Pantera and Ozzy Osbourne. And, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> like... Like, like crazy, crazy, different, different genre of bands. And, you know, there's no DJs hanging out there. I know. You I know? want to see someone scratching over Pantera, though. That'll be tight. Like, walk. Those are scary concerts when we were on tour with them. I didn't, I, didn't, oh I loved them, but at the same time, I was pretty scared. <laughs> I mean, Pantera, so, I mean, didn't one of the fans jump on stage and like stab one of the members or something? Yeah, shit? shot, shot, shot Tom Bagdell. Yeah. 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 What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, we were on tour and we were playing big amphitheaters. I think it was a, I think it was a Black Sabbath reunion tour and we got to do the second leg of it. So we did wow. half of the states and I forget which band opened up on the first part of it, but it was us. 
Pantera, and Black Sabbath. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I, I don't know, maybe like within the first week, you know, we're young kids and we're wearing, you know, way too big of baggy jeans. And, you know, they're, the other guys are surfers and, you know, I'm all hip hopped out with a big right. sweatshirt on it. Yeah. So they come into our dressing room and they're like, you guys wear too baggy jeans. And they got this tray. <laughs> they got a tray that's filled with shots of Crown Royal and folded up skinny Levi jeans. And they like, <laughs> no. put these on. They're like, put these on and do these shots. And literally yeah. they made us like we, I, we were, everybody in the band was so scared. We were like, yes, Mr. Pantera. And, uh, <laughs> Oh my God. We put God. the jeans on and we did these shots with them. And then they were like, cool with us. They were like, yeah, cool. You guys are cool. <laughs> that is so funny, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I had like, just, that's just to slow, somewhat relate to that. Like I got asked to go on tour with Blink-182 and be the opening act like in 2016. And they were doing their kind of, not reunion tour. It was like when Matt Skiba became the new singer and um, yeah. they were, it was sort of a reunion. It was just like they're back together, but with Matt Skiba and they were doing their first North American tour in a long time. And Travis Barker, me and him have done a lot of stuff together and drum DJ stuff. And he was like, yo, I want you to be the opening act. And I'm like, what? what? Like, what am I going to do? They're not going to want to see me out there. But in the, I learned a lot uh, on that tour, just living on a tour bus for three and a half months with like sometimes I'd be on the tour bus with like the guitar techs and the bass techs and like those dudes who had like been on tour with them for 20 years already. So they already had all their shit worked out. The crew guys who were like cool as fuck. We became all brothers by the end of it. But same thing. Like, yo, you're fucking, it was the opposite. They're like, your pants are too tight. Drink this fucking (laughs) shot of Jägermeister. And I'm like, I hate Jägermeister. And they're like, we're going to fucking stab you in the night if you don't <laughs> drink it. I was like, okay, fine. So like, yeah, like this dude yeah. literally pulled a knife on me one night. I was like, okay, I don't really like Jägermeister, but I guess I'll fucking drink it. I mean, they would have yeah. eight bottles of this shit like every night lined up on the little where we would like make cereal and coffee in the morning. And they'd be like, all right, show's over for the night. Start drinking Jäger. And it would just be yep. like, you know, people did not want to come on. It was called, the bus was called the Ocho. It was the number eight bus. But it was like, if you went on the Ocho and like you were alive, like to come off, like it was a whole experience. So same thing. They'd be like, why you, why your pants so tight? You know, (laughs) you're wearing your wife's pants and drink this Jaeger. I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 cause same, I'm like playing dance music and hip hop and shit. So there's something with crew guys because our, we had a crew bus for years and years and years and they had a jaeger machine on their bus you know where you yeah. put the big bottles of jaeger upside oh, down yeah three and of, like them, two of them just go on in the tap. top yeah it's like on tap yeah anytime and anytime you go on that bus jaeger 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 that's what it was and i was like why do you and it was funny because the main main dude that would do it i go why do you love jaeger he goes i hate it i'm like you hate it why do you drink it he goes i like to force everyone else to drink the shit they hate i'm like what (laughs) i don't even understand this i mean and it was like every night you know like you on the tour bus like you can write like oh we need these like supplies for the you know morning like we're in syracuse so like the 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 p whatever the assistant person would go to the market and go get cheerios and shit and they would always be like eight bottles of jaeger like every morning i'm like how are you guys going through all this fucking jaegermeister you're like killing me so i never want to they're uh 
they're espresso breed. Like I respect them a lot because they get, they're like the first oh, up yeah. in the morning. They work so hard all day long and they're like the last working at night. So the semi trucks are packed up and then they're it's off. And then they, they drive overnight and do it again the next day. Yo, it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. Like I did yeah. not realize how much went into that shit, like on tours until I saw that and how we would show up. Like you said, we would get to a city at six in the morning. They would go out, start setting up. They would be sleeping on like a plank in the at two fifty p.m. just to get like five minutes of sleep, then be back up to do it, and and then be packing yeah. up till two in the morning. Jump on the bus, drink Jägermeister all night long while we drove from Idaho to Montana. You know, it was like yeah, these guys live yeah. a crazy fucking life. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do. so yeah, respect like, to all the crew guys out there. Mad respect, endless utmost yeah. respect to those guys. I learned so much, and I had such a great time. And and all those people are like my brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know, at, at this yeah. point, yeah. Um, the logistics when you, when you're on tour and you see the logistics of it, it's it's mind boggling. You know? know, not it's like let alone that it's a traveling circus that it actually gets put up and taken down and moved safely to the next city. And it happens over and over and over again. You know, just the logistics of that, that that it all happens and it works. And when they're throwing a curveball, they somehow figure out a way to remedy it. Yeah. Like it's it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. I know. And with yeah. and and the most dangerous shit. I mean, like on this tour, they'd be like, we got these flamethrowers and fireworks and you know travis barker's turning upside down and has to be strapped in and i mean there's like yeah dangerous shit that could go wrong every night it's not like some place that's been inspected by inspectors every day you know and you're dealing yeah. with like security like the security dudes are hardcore because you know i mean crazy shit happened even with like that ariana grande stuff in in um yeah europe and and you know horrible things can happen so these dudes, yeah. the security dudes have to be hardcore checking everything and so much goes into it. Like, I don't think people realize all the moving no, parts. Show up, yeah, show up, pay 20 bucks a park, pay, what is it, 20 bucks for a beer now? Yeah. And, you know, smoke a bunch of weed, sneak, sneak some weed in there and then have a great time and go home. And that's what, that's what you know, the, the, the average fan or the, the person yeah. coming to see a concert sees. There's a lot of work involved in it. And, know. you know. It's amazing when you actually get to see it. We do, we give a lot of uh, VIP tours on our tours, so oh, really? people come in and see the sound check, and then our some of our crew guys yeah. will actually take the the uh, fans that come in for this VIP experience, and they'll bring them up on stage. They'll let them sit at Jose's drum kit, or they'll come up to my DJ rig and check yep. it out. And they walk them back through catering and, you know, through the offices and they get a good look at it, which is really cool. And then we'll put them on the side of the stage for the shows. And, yeah. you know, you could just see the look in people's eyes sometime that they're just uh, like, their mind is born. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, I love that. And on the blink tour, I saw them doing that. They would let, um, they would have the VIP show with certain people that paid extra to come see them sound check. And then they would even bring people up to jam with them sometime. They'd be like, who plays guitar? Yeah. Who knows how to play this song? And they'd let them play with them. And like the person literally was like, you just made my life. I'll never forget this. You know, this is insane. And same, they'd be on the side stage. Like it was just so crazy. I, I tried to do what I could like as the opening act, I would have passes or whatever. And so I would finish and go to those amphitheaters when they'd have the people way back in the grass. And I'd be like 
pick a couple of just cool people and be like, yo, I can get you all the way up to the front. I got you. Just roll with me. You know, and I'd like yeah, show my past. Yeah. And they'd be like, you just like made my whole life. You know, like, why are you doing this? I'm like, just because I've been in your position and I know what it feels like. And I want yeah, you to have a we, dope experience. Yeah, we call that we miracle somebody. Yeah, because like, I'll do the same thing. I'll just see somebody. I'll just be like, hey, come up on stage or come. You, there's some seats up front. You know, my tech, I'll be like, yo, go get that person, bring them up front or whatever. I think that's important, especially as an yeah. artist that has the platform to do that because yeah, people did that for me, you know, right. and, and to, to bring that back to DJ and, you know, I moved from DC to Los Angeles at the end of 1995. Oh, and okay. the first thing I did was join a, a guitar center battle in Hollywood, the guitar center there. And yeah, I met my DJ crew there. I met ah. this dude, this dude Ben. He was DJ Mindframe, and and this this dude Nelson was Nelly Nell, and he's like, yeah, we got these other DJs that think you're really dope, and and we want you to come be part of our crew. We're just starting it up, and then you know I show up, and DJ Dusk is there, and a bunch of other dudes, and we used to battle the Immortal Fader Fighters out in Simi Valley all the time. So that was wow. you know, Petrix was a little little kid then, and you know, it was Exist and those guys out back then, and. So it was this really cool community, but but uh, we used to go to a lot of barbecues, and, and I remember going to some where Cut Chemist and Newmark or J-Rock were there. And, you know, for me, looking up to those dudes at the time, I was like, I was like, that's Newmark, that's Cut Chemist, that's J-Rock, yeah. you know? And, like, yeah. and you get nervous, and you don't know what to say, and, you know, I'm a big fan of all of them, and... Uh, they were all super cool. They all were kind of like, hey, if you ever want to DJ at one of these barbecues, just just come on up. Just say say what's up next time and come on and get on the decks. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, was, I was like, you sure? <laughs> so, you know, I tried to I tried to play it cool and just, you know, like not not just stumble over everything. But yeah, those guys were guys that I looked up to and they were super cool with me. You know, uh, yeah. all the beat junkies were super cool. And, you know, back then it was a really tight, tight knit of DJs in Los Angeles, especially yeah. if you were hanging out at Fat Beats or there on Melrose or something like that. Like you would run into all kinds of crazy DJs. Oh, yeah. You I know? mean, that was the spot to hang. Like, I remember just going to Fat Beats and like, let me intern, you know, and like, it would be like DJ Jedi was working there and um, yeah, uh, and J-Rock and, and Babu. And, you know, I, I yeah. remember, yeah, we'd come in and see Babu having a, just a, his own scratch session at Fat Beats. And I'd be like yeah. pretending to look at records, but also being like, oh, my God, this is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Like yeah. the dude from Dilated Peoples and like the speed yeah. junkies. And then, yeah, yeah they were too. real cool. I was the same way. Yeah. yeah right i mean just, and I, that that's important because i think that one that makes you look cool but at the same time it instills longevity in what you do and also in the art form you know you're not yes. turning people away from it you know it was a little harder when i was in dc and i grew up like central pennsylvania so i was always going to philly and baltimore and dc and then i actually went to school in dc and i ended up djing oh, okay. there like how, as soon how as did I was you first start? Like so, you grew up in Central Pennsylvania. Were yeah. was your family into music, or how did you even get into music and then DJing from there? No, you know the my dad was into music, but he was he was uh, studying to be a doctor, so he was never around. But okay. he'd come home on Sundays and he would he would 
you know, take me and my brother out for drives and blast Pink Floyd or Chicago or something. Yeah. We just drive around, go nowhere and just blast music in the car, you know? Yeah. And when yeah. I say he was never around, I meant he was working long hours. He, you know, he's coming home at night. But No, I know, get it. I'm sure my kid's going to say that about me. Like, I would, you know, his seven years of his life, I was gone for mo- part of every single week, you know? And, yeah. uh, so it's crazy to be yeah. here with him for a year. I wonder what, from his perspective, it's going to, the memories are going right. to be like, you know, but, but same, I used to describe it like that. Like I'm gone all the time and, and then I try to be there. But, and funny enough during quarantine, yeah. when we had nowhere to go, we would just go in the car and just blast music and just drive around. And I'd I be mean, like, I still Check do this that out. as well. Yeah. And I, right. I remember we had a, uh, a really cool hi-fi system. It was just, you know, the, yeah. the dial radio that lit up, you know, with the UV meters and a turntable yeah. on top. And, and I took it apart. Like when I was really little, like, wow, I was probably, I, I might've been 10 years old or 11 years old. It was, Crazy. I was really little. And I remember trying to get it back together before my dad got home. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I got it back together. It wasn't perfect, but I got it back together. But I think that they understood that I was into like, music and tech at an early age because of that yeah, right and i i asked my dad for a set of turntables uh it's been 1986 in 1986 i'm like i need a set of 1200 stat i need them i need them, I need them. and wow i'm in 86 i was 12 yeah or damn. just turning 13 okay. and uh he just was like like no 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 so <laughs> i literally i literally worked for summer i'm like he made me bet he was like if you can buy one of these i'll i'll get the other one so i guess you know he's like if you're serious about it i'll help you out so eventually yeah. i saved up enough money and bought one 1200 and that's all i, I got I was like yeah i got a 1200 i got it and you know back then you had to you had to put it together there was yeah. no like it came in pieces so i, I put it together and so I remember, I remember bugging my dad for a few months, like, okay, I got one. Where's the other one? You got to give me the other one. He just was like, well, they don't have them at the shop. I can't get one. And obviously he was just trying to like put it off. And at Christmas time, he was under the tree. So that's how I got my second turntable. So I was oh, like, I love yeah. That. And then I was just so a bedroom dope. DJ, you know, yeah. just in the bedroom trying to figure out all the music that I was into, how these dudes were doing these scratching, like... Right. I was like, just do you remember your how? first mixer? Like what that was? Oh man, I think it was a it was a it wasn't the Gemini. The Gemini Scratch Master was like my evolution to a scratch yeah. battle DJ. But it was like this old pioneer. I I don't even remember the model of it, but it was black and blue and had like eight fader channels, <laughs> but yes. it had a crossfader. So I was yeah. like, yeah, the crossfader is good enough. I only need two of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I used to. I used to borrow my aunt's speakers because my first actual like gig out was my eighth grade middle school dance. Like, I don't know how I got the student body to let me DJ it. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's crazy. That's a big thing to do when you're in eighth grade. I was in eighth grade. Yeah. And and I was like, I just remember, you know, you go to the dances and shit like that. And and I grew up in an all white area. So the DJ was just playing hairband music. (laughs) <laughs> and you know me White and my friends and yeah yeah literally led zeppelin is always you know that they would always end with stairway to heaven and stuff like that and i'm just like okay this is like you know it's music but it's not dance music and we're at a dance we should be dancing like we should right. be doing this so i i i 
somehow got the gig. <laughs> I, I was persistent. Oh my god! Do you, do you remember what you played? No, no, but it, I, I ended with Stairway to Heaven just because I wanted to keep it the same. Of course, that was the and school I, dance thing. And you're kind of hooking up your friends to like ask the girl to to slow dance for eight for minutes sure, or however for long. Sure. <laughs> and I had a couple of my boys behind me, like they were kind of like the version of Africa Bambada. They'd pick out a record and be like, oh, I want to hear this one. And, right. And, you know, it was totally loose. I didn't know what I was doing. And, and that led to me DJing the high school dances, and I did that. And like I said, I, I got a gig at an under-21 club when right. I was like 15. So that kind of prepped me. And then and then after high school, I went to D.C., uh, the okay. George Washington University. Right. And I was just like, well, I'm in D.C. I'm going to do the same thing. So I just started hustling, trying to get a gig. And right. I mean, I was I, once I did my first gig, I, I was like outside the freshman dorm. I just plastered flyers everywhere. I mean, I just was like at, you know, Kinko's printing flyers. I yep. just put them on the sidewalk. I put them all into the dorm everywhere. I mean, I spent hours just by myself putting these things up. And the first party was pretty live. And by oh. that time, you know, I could I could mix pretty well. Yeah. So I just it just started rolling from there. And, you know, back then I was learning to scratch, but it was a lot of body tricks. I was learning all the body tricks and all the records, you know, all the DJs covered all the records. So you never knew what DJs were playing. <laughs> right. Unless, unless you spent all your life in the record shop. You right. Know? So that's, so that was a different culture, you know, like then I came out to LA and all the DJs were nice. They're like, Hey, yeah, come on up here. And this is how you do this. And this is how you do this. And it was right around the time scratch pickles were putting out their videos and yeah and i was just like this dj culture on the west coast is insane I, I fell in love with it right i know there is something about it that like there were still the gatekeepers and they still made sure that you felt nervous and you didn't feel too comfortable but they gave you but they were nice enough that they would be like, you should be here. Like, you should be around this. Maybe you're not ready to get on the tables yet. You know, they'd have to, like, make yeah. sure you were vetted and cool. But, like, yeah, there's something yeah. about that West Coast sort of chill mentality or whatever it is. And and just a more inclusive thing that isn't as um, confrontational as the East Coast is sometimes. Yeah, I just think East Coast cities are a little harder because probably because they got to go through winners. Yeah, I know. So the people here were just like just a little harder. We're like in December, like yo, let's go on a hike in Malibu. I'll roll up a J. Let's go. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You can't do that chill. in New York. Yeah, no. you can't do that in Philly. Yeah, it's no. it's rough. But I yeah, know. that was my experience when I moved out here. So so, wow. you know, I try to I try to take that mentality and do whatever I can for other people, especially yeah. kids that are interested in the stuff that I do. Right. You know, I love that. Yeah. I think that's important, especially as we become older DJs, like you're saying, like, I want to make sure that 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 gets passed down the right way. And I always tell people, just hit me up. I got you. If you want me to answer questions or whatever I could do, you know, I want to help out and just continue the culture, the right sides of the culture going forward and make sure it gets, um, you know, preserved through stories by having Jazzy Jeff and people on here talking about it and, and doing shows. And, and that's the cool thing about Twitch, everybody being able to watch these amazing legendary DJs. DJ Scratch is on there now all the time. Like you said, the scratches from EPMD. I mean, you know, his, yeah. his stuff is legendary. And that's the stuff that yeah. we grew up just listening to and trying to imitate. 
So now yeah. people are able to turn it on and watch them every day of their life. I mean, tonight will be what's Thursday night. We're recording this It'll be like four colors, Zach and scratch bastard. And some of the greatest yeah. DJs on earth will just be DJing for free on the internet tonight. If you decide to turn it on. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. I know those guys are so talented. <laughs> I love that's, it. That's, that's where we are. I love it. That's, that's the good side for us. To yeah. watch these great DJs, but you know, we as DJs, that's how we make a living, and it's just come to a stop. And, that's been you so know. hard, you know, and and that's what's put us all back on the same level, uh, one way or another. But uh, everyone's become the bedroom DJ, and everyone's had to figure out what they're going to do during this time and and going forward. And it's been hard, yeah. I mean, the money thing it's like we're almost left out because we were like, oh, you're a DJ. And and thank God for Twitch and certain ways that people can still make money and, and how they put their time into it. I see DJs that are absolutely killing it on Twitch, but a lot of for them sure. have to put in mad work. You know, they'll be yeah. on every night for eight hours and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and they should they should be making money for doing that. Absolutely. I, I, I don't have the patience to do that. I can't. I, I'm I'm like... I don't know, like even even yeah. posting on Instagram, like I'll go like a month without posting, you know, and that's, that's been you can't you can't build an audience up. that way. You know, it's right. like there's a real there's a formula, you know, it's like pop yeah. music. There's a there's a formula. You need to post this at this time. You need to be on Twitch at this time. You need to do this at this time. And you can't you can't let it slip or your audience will start to decrease. And that's the reality of it. And yeah, for me. I'm fortunate enough that I, you know, I have a job with a band and and that's kind of our gig and we write music. And then the DJ thing is just, you know, me wanting to express myself and get out there. And I'm not relying on, you know, a Twitch show every yeah. Thursday or every day, right. you know? Right. And, and so that's why when you, I am on Twitch, you know, I did from like, I think it was March till, uh, thanksgiving or maybe halloween i can't remember which was which was the last one i did but i was on once a week went from instagram once a week to to twitch once a week and you know i might have had a day or two off but we went through all the crazy times i did a black lives matter set i did you yeah. know a, a halloween set and and so now i have all these awesome sets in my arsenal but each week it was it was stressful man you know it's not yeah. like you're on tour DJing a club in Vegas and then you're flying to DC and then you're going to New York and then you're going to, you know, Japan or something. It's where you can have the same structure of a set and kind of just cater to what's there. You you have to create yeah. something new every time. Yeah, and I know. I know. It's that's tough. It is tough. You know, I, I get in my own head with that too. Sometimes that, that was slowing me down from streaming some of the times too. Cause I'm like, man, I want to be ready. I want to have something new and, and same, I'd be on tour every week and go into a different city or every night, you know, and be like, I could do a similar set in Atlantic city and Vegas and Chicago. And then of course I'll mix in a couple new songs or do something that's local to that area or something. But for yeah. the most part, yeah, I'm doing club sets. We're in the club. We can feel the people on Twitch. People are staring at you and listening to you, and you want to be able to express your true creativity and and scratch and connect with them. So uh, I yeah. know, but you did 
dope shit. I mean, I saw you, you would do the every Friday at 420, right? Yep. Yeah. And it was on yep. Instagram. And, and it was so good. It like was different every sets. week too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were killing it though. I loved it. Like some of the Thanks, mixes. Man. I was like, is he, is this a pre-made? Like you did one where I forget what it was, like Beastie Boys, Hey Ladies or something. And then you had like um the champ coming in under it. And I was like, wait, is that a blend? Yeah. But then you went into the thing and then you like had dope edits and just the way it flowed was cool. The other thing that was cool is that you were having fun, whether you were nervous or stressed out beforehand, like you're describing now, it didn't really yeah. show on the sets. And like, I could feel your happiness and how much fun you were having and yeah. your passion for the music through it. So for me, I was like, yo, I'm having fun watching him. If I'm watching the archive on YouTube or I'm watching it live on Instagram. And then when I saw you do the thing with Z trip, um, that was just the best because you that guys got fun. to just get in your bag and and scratch and play all types of stuff. It was so dope. Yeah, yeah. Z Trips a homie. We we we've established a really cool friendship, and I'm super thankful for that. But yeah, like I'm musically like I like I guess I'm a hip hop because I'm a DJ, and like that's kind of what I love. But yeah, but it's it's like really not. It's like I'm, right. I listen to mostly reggae music and like classic rock yeah. <laughs> and I'm a DJ in a rock band and I'm learning all about these indie rock groups. And I'm just like, my music comes from everywhere. I'm a kid, you know, I was born in the seventies. So I get the yeah. trail end of, end of the seventies. And then the eighties was like me starting to really find my own music. Right. So I love it all. I, I love all kinds of music. So yeah. that's what's cool about Twitch. You know, I do an 80 set, set one week and then I do an old school hip hop set or I right. would do just an 80s hip hop set. And then I, you know, I do a rock set or I do a Halloween set. You know, it was like, yeah, whatever. And and the day, the times that I didn't have like what I was going to do really planned out or I was like, ah, my girl wants me to do a house set. I'll just do a house set because, you know, it's a house set. You can just vibe out and just let it take you I'm like yeah. those are some of the funnest sets. I know. You know, it's true. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Some of the nights where I just clicked on too and I was like, I'm going to do a house set or I'm going to do something out of my, out of ordinary. Cause same, I, I'm very eclectic with my sets and, and I come from hip hop standpoint and scratching. And, um, but I, I don't know if I'm a hip hop DJ per se, like, cause same, I had to go on tour with, not had to, but I got to go on tour with Blink-182 and I had to adjust to what that crowd was going to be like. And, and just being like a DJ in Vegas and going through all the time, it went from the mashup times where I was incorporating so much rock into the sets to the point where everyone's like, this is cheesy. And then it's like EDM and all that stuff's coming in and just trying to go yeah. with the, the times. I think it's the kind of DJ you are and Z Trip is like, you, you're a hip hop DJ in your approach and your style and your like techniques, but not your music. Like you play everything. And of course, hip hop's in your blood and it flows through all of your yeah. music, but you're able to mix all the genres together as a hip hop DJ with the techniques, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that. That's that's a good way to describe it for sure. Like, like yeah, you take I the think... techniques from hip hop, but you apply it to all the genres. Yeah, yeah, and I think all the DJs that I really like kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Like Z Trip, for example, even, even, even Jazzy Jeff. I mean, you, yeah, he's a hip hop yep. DJ, but like when he's left to his own devices to play music, like he's not just stick, sticking with the hip hop. He's, he's taking you on this whole entire musical journey where you're just like, 
it makes you think. <laughs> really you know, makes like, you whoa. think. I mean, his <laughs> yacht rock. Like, he did it. His uh, yacht rock uh, set was yeah. mind blowing. It was so great yeah. to hear Jazzy Jeff do a yacht rock set, and I've heard him do house sets and and all that. So same thing. People like to pigeonhole people in, like, oh, he's Jazzy Jeff. He's hip hop, but DJing. Yeah. You know, that's why the mashup thing was funny, too, when like Z-Trip had been doing, quote unquote, mashups forever. But then they're like, he's a mashup DJ. It's like, well, you know what he is? He's a DJ that plays yeah, every kind of music. That, that, that's what DJing is. Like, that's right. what I know DJing as. Yeah. Like, and, which you, is. Yeah. Yeah. That's why that's why we're lucky that we got to sit around for the last year and watch these DJs just do what they do. And not yeah. have to do it in the confinement of the venue that they're in. Yeah, exactly. It's like the nineties, yeah. like where everybody was trying to figure out what they wanted to do and and there was no rules. And so it's kind of back in that mode. So that that's what I tell people. Tune in to Twitch and get out of it what you can because this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity, at least for music fans and DJ fans, people into that yeah. stuff. Yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. Yeah. What was, uh, let me ask you a question. What was, when you started to DJ, yeah. what kind of music did you DJ? Like well, when, you very, when you very first started? Uh, hip hop and drum and bass, but like, like jungle. Like when I first, first got into DJing, uh, it was probably the early 90s. And I remember, I remember I was listening to Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, um, Gangstar, things like that. And there would be these scratch sounds in it, but I didn't know how the DJ was necessarily doing it. And there was no real way to watch it. I remember seeing Herbie Hancock rock it and be like, whoa, that's scratching. But I still couldn't comprehend all of it and put it all together. Um, and when probably about 93 or so, maybe 94, I went to a rave in downtown LA and it was insomniac. And it was this guy Pasquale uh, through insomniac, yeah. you know, and it was just like these dudes that would break into a illegally break into a warehouse in downtown LA, bring generators and put up things. And you'd pay 20 bucks to someone at a map point and they would give you some instructions of where to go. And I remember going to that and seeing these DJs, but I didn't know what they were doing. I thought they were mixing everything together like with a machine like computers or something i didn't know how they were making it all come together till finally i got to get closer and see and i saw this guy raw and he was doing a four turntable set with this guy i think dj trance and there was also dj dan and oscar de grouch and theo and all these old school uh people and legends he was taking i don't even think jungle was a thing yet i think it was like or it was just becoming a thing, but it was like breaks. They would take like breaks. And it was like all these hip hop breaks that I knew, but they were sped up to like 140 BPM or something or even more. And then they were taking hip hop acapellas that I knew and they would throw it over top. And it was just like blowing my mind. And so it was the mixture of the new music I'd never heard, which was like hardcore, happy hardcore, jungle, breaks, all this like rave shit you know i'm the one and only dominator like all these crazy songs yeah. bah, bah, bah. and then they were taking the hip-hop shit that i knew and putting it over and i'm like that is what i want to do so i remember just same thing i want turntables parents you know you got to save up uh, all the same thing work my job i found some wedding dj that was like i only use cds now i don't use these old 
record players and i was like i'll buy them from you you know like 300 yeah. bucks each. i still fucking have them you know they're like they still work oh, yeah. great i've got them tuned up but um so same thing saved up got those and went to probably like beat nonstop or something on melrose and got these um dj rectangle records to to scratch with there was two of them and then bought uh, some other, I don't know what it was, but some jungle records, maybe like super sharp shooter and like things like that. And I, I had a few hip hop records, a few drum and bass records and my scratch records. And that was my beginning of what I could practice yeah. with. And only the amount of money I had to even buy the records, you know, and then yeah. getting into college, like I joined the radio station and realized, Oh, they'll let me have a show to do stuff on here. So we were up in the Bay Area and I would go to Amoeba and Rasputin and as much money as I could save up buy these records. And it was just I would just buy drum and bass and hip hop back and forth. And that was my thing that I wanted to do and yeah. bring to the world, you know, and yeah. it wasn't until someone booked me for an 80s party in college and I had to make girls dance was when I realized that whole like oh shit there's an other side like, of djing yeah, and i yeah. gotta get all this other music and i don't have it on record yet so that's my take on it you know yeah yeah that's interesting that's interesting yeah, yeah so i i always thought okay i want to combine these two things and like you said raw is a legend he calls himself six block now and he's even on twitch still i'll see him on there um doing a lot of the same things that that he was known for back then but that was my introduction into that whole world. And then as time went on, being in LA in the early 2000s, getting to go to the root down and see DJ Dusk, you know, rest in peace, like legend yeah. LA and, and um, just learning, okay, there's, there's breaks and seeing cut chemist and Newmark and, and the way that, Oh, the samples, I didn't realize all the samples for the hip hop and they're finding the sample record and they're connecting it through their sets. And, you know, it's just a yeah. constant evolution of learning and, deciding what you want to then implement into your own sets. Yeah, that was the root down was like my spot in the late yeah. or not the mid mid to late nineties. Like that was that was the spot because you we used to go there and we see cut, be DJing and then the breakestra would come on. Oh be man, like breakestra, yeah. What? <laughs> you'd be like what? Like it'd be the whole live show. Like and you'd just be like, oh man, oh breakestra's here tonight. Oh it would be buzz. Homer will be buzzing and then then Remember how the breakster always comes in and they come in with like just banging on drums and playing the horns through the crowd. And then, yeah. and then oh man, it's great, so great, great times. There. It was yeah. so inspirational. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Like I was in a hip hop group, but I was like, when we perform, I want it to be different. So I remember the, the producer and the group, you know, we would make everything on an MPC and um, that's how we would do everything. But But when we performed, he would have like Roland V drums and we would put all of the samples into the MPC and have the Roland V drums trigger the MPC. So we would yep. do recreate Bonita Applebaum and all of these classic songs by him playing it on there. And then I would recreate it on the turntables and, and we got to perform at root down a few times like that. Cause I wanted to impress them. I wanted to be like, you guys are doing this dope thing. I want to create my own creative thing to bring to the table. Yeah uh at these parties that was so. such a great underground vibe yeah yeah oh my god yeah. the best yeah. Yeah. yeah miles tackett and like you know all that stuff um yeah yeah well that's so cool and, and the fact that you do stuff with z trip how did you guys first link up 
Man, we, I don't think either of us actually know. We, we talk about this all the <laughs> time. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'd see him at NAM every now and then, or I'd see him here every now and then. We'd say what's up or whatever. And then it probably wasn't until, geez, I don't know, maybe, maybe 2016, where we were kind of in the same city at the same time. And I don't know what we were doing at a, at a gig and his, girl yulia met my wife tenny and they kind of hit it off and they were like well well zach and chris know each other why don't we just hang out and i was like yeah i mean zach are homies and zach was like yeah i mean killer homies and then we we actually got together and we were like well when did we meet and it was like (laughs) so long ago that we couldn't even remember and uh so yeah i don't know the meeting story but i just know that we have a lot in common we have a lot of mutual friends and we think you know, we, we really think about what we do and how we do it. And, you know, Zach really, really puts a lot of focus into what he's doing and what it means and how people are going to perceive it, you know? And I learned a lot from that because I'm kind of like, just let's wing it and go with it and whatever comes out, that's what comes out. And it is what it is, you know, which is a different style. And, and I, you know, I try to take little pieces of how Zach thinks and when we, brainstorm because we brainstorm a lot we sit around all night drinking whatever whiskey he's a whiskey guy so i'll drink some of his whiskey to please him but i make him drink tequila and smoke joints and then we just go to cloud nine yes <laughs> and yes. we just start you know we just we just found out we have a lot in common and we have a really good friendship outside of dj and we can just hang and kick it yeah. and you know you know that person that when you get you 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 get into deep conversations with them you know yeah. they've been there you know you know what they're talking about right. and you know they've walked that similar path that you have so we have that bond as well yeah it's almost so. like you guys are connected like cosmically from another life or something you know you're just right? like meant meant to be friends you're like i don't know how we met yeah, but yeah. once we yeah. met we just knew we were homies like right off the bat um, yeah yeah it was su- su- yeah super cool dude you know and, and you know that's that's the thing though like like you know would we get to talk to all these other djs and the ones that are are real the ones that i actually connect to are usually the ones that are at the top of the game and have been around the world and understand that because uh, let me start this again like there's intelligent people and there's not so intelligent people. Let's start there. And aside from the DJs, there's, there's intelligent DJs, there's intelligent DJs and there's not intelligent DJs. The intelligent, so the not, the non-intelligent DJ will be like, I know everything about DJing and I know all the scratches and I can do all of this and there's nothing more for me to learn. And I'm the shit. Exactly. And it's like that kind of, that kind of thing pushes me away because the the guy the actual intelligent dj realizes that there's so much more to learn and that he right. can take the craft so much further that he realizes that and and he tries to suck in all these other influences from outside and is inviting and yeah. that's the kind of person that zach is when i was having my discussion totally. with craze the other week i've never met craze before other than like passing a nam and yeah. same thing He's like, we were hitting it off and we both got, you know, Craze is pretty outspoken. He's got his, he's got like, he'll say what he wants to say. And sometimes you're like, you got to scratch your head. You're like, yeah, yeah, you're saying it right to the point, but that's kind of how I think too. 
you know totally but, and same thing i was when he was coming on the podcast i'm like i've said hi to him and we talked but i never really got to know him i'm like oh i wonder what he's gonna be like on here but it was great we got along good you know had such a good it's, combo it's super and, cool and yeah, yeah it's super cool and you know that he's the goat and you know that he's yeah. still talking to other djs and taking in information like yeah. Like he, and, I saw, and I saw he's doing that, that video said he did. I mean, he's always pushing it to the next level. Same with Z trip, same with you, same with that's what it is, is constantly being inside of the journey and not saying it could be like this or it should be like this. Just like, this is what it is. I'm learning as I go. I'm enjoying the journey of being a DJ and learning and taking the influences the same way I did when I was 16 years old. It doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. Yeah. Yeah. I saw he put out a tweet the other day about he'll he'll put up hundreds of thousands of dollars to battle anybody. <laughs> fifty thousand. Like, he said he said yeah, fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I'll battle yeah, anybody. And then yeah. now I saw him write he goes, I got a couple offers, so I'm about to go in the lab. I'll see you guys in a little bit. I'm like, what's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> bro, bro. He's gonna he's gonna go to another level. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah. Whoever's but, challenging yeah. him, I would really be careful because like you said, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning that we can learn from all of these technical things online, but it, and he talked about this, that it takes the flavor and style out of a lot of the DJing, even some of the most amazing technical DJs, it won't be funky enough or it won't have their own style and they can do a thousand things that I cannot do. Um, but yeah. I don't yeah. know. Sometimes it's almost like they're playing a video game very well and it's very impressive, but like it doesn't make me feel any kind of way. The same how like Z Trip, I don't know what the scratch is that called that he's doing, but it's funky as hell and it's going perfectly with the thing. And then when he drops the acapella, that makes me feel a certain way and I'm pumped up. You know, same Newmark, Cut Chemist, all yeah. of them, you know, DJ Shadow. Yeah. It's they can do amazing scratches not saying they can't but it's they put it all together in a more musical way yeah yeah you yeah. know when you see when you learn like the video game style and you learn from the the, yeah. the exact proper technique it's almost like a classically trained yes instrumentalist you right. know it's like if you put them in a band situation with no sheet music they're they're like stumbling over their instrument it's like right. they forget how to play or something like that. I know, and which is so surprising to me. I remember that back in the day when I would have friends and because I would be in bands and be like, okay, my boy plays piano or whatever it is and have them come in. And I'm like, you're he's amazing. And then he couldn't jam like because they're just all about the the technique or I don't know what it is. Like you're yeah. better off not knowing what you're doing some of the time <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, I've had this whole evo evolution with the band and inside of the band where I started out with just two turntables and then expanded right. to three turntables. And then I used the CDJ. So technically I had like four decks and I just started yeah. expanding. I'm like, whoa, this is too crazy. Like I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And around that, around that time is when Scratch Live came out. Yeah. And, you know, the whole process of me using real vinyl just went from from like that whole entire process of pressing records and figuring out how to arrange sounds and, and stems and things like that. And then waiting a couple of weeks to get the test pressings, all that just went away. Right. Like it was all in the computer and 
it just made me rethink everything I was doing. And a lot of the scratch records I was making back then, I made on like old synthesizers. So I was oh, like, wow. I was, you know, like I, I had a Moog, I had a, I had a mini Moog and, and, uh, old, you know, uh, Juno 106. And yeah. I was just like making weird sounds. And I also recorded everything back then, like everything, like, wherever i was i had a recorder on me and i was just chopping all these different sounds up that's great making these scratch records and then all of a sudden it was right in the box like it yeah. was like okay now you did record pressing plan and that whole process is just gone right and now not you don't need the four turntables anymore and then i started thinking well some of these sounds maybe i could actually play on the actual keyboard right and you know just kind of approach it from like a dj's perspective how dj would kind of chop it up instead of like a classically you know trained person would and then that started to involve to me playing more keys in the band and that evolution was you know brought because of the technology but also because of you know all the other djs i was seeing in the late 90s in rock bands yeah i was like i mean some of them were dope but a lot of them were just like i was like this is not i don't want to be associated with this like this is right. not me as a dj like, no it makes you look uh, bad because it was just like a token dj it was at the point where the a and r's were like well, we we need a dj get someone to come try out you know and it was just somebody it was almost like they were a cheerleader or like you knew they didn't know what yeah. they were doing or they weren't from the real culture it wasn't the right thing and it almost yeah. makes you look bad for someone that doesn't know you and you're like yo i'm the real deal um, and I add a lot musically to this band. I mean, you you add so much musically to Incubus, and I don't think that um, people from the outside, yeah, they might get, get the wrong idea from that. So that's dope how you incorporated the keys. Um, and then your setup got crazy from there, right? You started bringing all no, types of keyboards. Just, yeah, it's just crazy because <laughs> the guys were like, the guys kept going, well, can you play this? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I was like, well... I can I can learn. I can, you know yeah. I literally learned how to play keys in this band. You know I played That's a little bit crazy. when I was younger, right? But my experience with like keys was with, before that was mostly synthesizers just to get sounds, weird sounds that I could sample. Yeah, you know I wasn't. Did you like, take really lessons playing. like piano lessons, or did you just kind of learn as you? I went? mean, like in first grade, you know, I just <laughs> right. kind of learned. As, but once yeah. you were in the band and you wanted to be more in it, were you like, okay, I got it? Oh yeah. Or, Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually did. I I, I met. Uh, so I was really into. Yeah, you know, I'm su I'm such a gearhead. I'm into all kinds of like, like, cr like any anything that's like vintage instruments that are like I I know the song and that was used on that song. I'm like I want that. Oh my you know, god! Like I, I know. Just, I saw on YouTube you were like showing off your Mellotron and so much dope shit. Oh, uh, I got a Mellotron. I got an organ. I got an ARP 2600 that i just got right before oh, christmas because wow. they re-released them and i was yeah. just like i have to have one of those <laughs> so, that's amazing i mean i remember yeah i mean i was talking about for a year and i'm like man i better be able to get one of those and i, I yeah. finally got one and it's just so, like amazing congrats yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's you know that's the thing like i like i don't want to be that guy i don't want to be yeah. just the dj in the band and especially back then you know every every new band coming out had a dj I know. and you know when you scratch it's like a solo it's like a guitar solo like it is yeah. so present and so french especially in that genre of music so for 
for me to fit in was challenging because all I wanted to do was scratch. But obviously, right. you know, the, the other guys being such good musicians themselves, you know, really made me think about improving and growing as they grew. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, my journey, thanks to DJ technology, has actually brought me a little more away from DJing and, and incorporating it as a whole into music. Yeah. And, and you know, I think, like, somebody like Craze, like, he's taking the technology and he's like, I'm going to evolve. And it's kind yeah. of the same thought, just, you know, he's the GOAT. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's how you (laughs) did with the tour. And you always would incorporate your influences and real things into the songs. I mean, you had Battlestar, Scratch Lactica with uh, Cut Chemist and Newmark. That's kind of a weird thing for a band like Incubus to have on their album, I would think, you know, especially from the record label and A&R standpoint. I mean, what are they like? "Uh, What are you guys doing over there? (laughs) Like. How did that come about, and what was the reaction from that? So we were at NRG Studios recording that record, Make Yourself. That's in the valley out, what's like North Hollywood. Yeah. And I remember 311 being there at the same time, and Jurassic 5 was there at the same time. Wow. And, and that was in the days where I had to press records up. So as we're writing the record it in Sound Arena, up in the valley and like in just a little rehearsal room i'm just sitting there thinking like okay i will be able to do this or i will be able to do this and they would leave me like 16 bars and just be like okay we're just gonna leave this a drum beat and then you just do something because they didn't quite understand what i did either that was the first record that i actually wrote with them i had toured with them for about a year and then we wrote the record so that we knew each other but they were just like okay he's gonna do something dope and they gave me a lot of freedom so that's dope. And so when you toured with them, just sorry, before you go on, like, would you, did they say, okay, we just want a DJ in the band to accent like almost like a percussionist, the stuff we already have going, like before you wrote the songs? Well, they them, had or? a DJ. They had a DJ. Okay, that's what I thought. And, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so their record science uh, came out and had all this scratching on it. And like, right. you know, their, their DJ was just learning to DJ too. You know, he wasn't yeah. as advanced. And even Mike was just playing around the turntables. Mike's a yeah. guitar player. And, you know, he would do some of the scratching, just like the jigga jiggas and make noise. And they, so there is a lot of like samples and, and stuff that, on that first record. So right. when I got in the band, they literally like called me up, had me try out and gave me like the shitty cassette of them recording live in a rehearsal room. And I'm like, I can't hear anything on this. <laughs> and they were like, Hey, can you learn these 18 songs? We leave on tour, like in two or three days. And I was just like, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> I was oh, just wow. like, yeah, cool. So that's crazy. So, Wait. So, so I, I mean, we got off the tangent from that song, but I want to know about this. So then, so how'd you get that first call though? Like, were you just DJing like at the root down or whatever, like with your DJ crew and doing LA things? And then you got a call was, to meet up with these guys. Yeah. So that's, that's another crazy story. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, my crew in LA was the Jedi Knights and, right. you know, we're just a, you know, we're just a cr- crew trying to stay together and battle other crews and just, you yeah. know, do our thing. You know, we don't have any renowned success as a crew or anything like that you know obviously dusk was in it and 
DJ Mindframe was big in LA and, and Nelly Nell was really big too. But then we all kind of st- separated and did our own things. Yeah. And, uh, um, but one of the things we would do is like any crew, we would set up six, seven, eight turntables in an apartment and all sit there and, you know, do the executioner thing or do the, or do the scratch pickle thing, right. you know? Of course. And, and that, that, combined with going to the root down and seeing cut and break a straw and seeing this and going, wow, like we are a band as a, as a DJ crew, we're a band. Right. And I think I was at a battle. I think it was at another guitar center battle somewhere. And a guy came up to me and was like, Hey, I'm looking for a DJ to be in my band. It's like, uh, it's like, and it's this tall, lanky, goofy-looking white dude. He's like, I'm a bass player, and I rap. And we have a drummer and a guitar player, and we're looking for a DJ. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing. Tuesday night, I'll come down. And, and when I went right. down there, they were the band's called Four or Five Dopes. And that's kind of, <laughs> you, kind of what it looked like. And, uh, wow. and it was real funky, like crazy music with this white dude playing bass and rapping just crazy <laughs> lyrics that weren't about hip hop. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I can get with this. This is just crazy. And we would just jam. We didn't have any gigs. We just jam. And we got to a point where we'd go out and play once in a while. Mm-hmm. But then that led me to another band uh, called uh, Beats and Blunts. I don't know if you remember that band or not, but they were kind of like a Rage Against the Machine band with two like uh, Rasta singers. It was kind of these two black dudes with dreads or singers. uh, Sounds dope. (laughs) It's like Bad Brains with Rage Against the Machine type deal or something. It could have been dope, but they didn't didn't have their shit together. And I I walk into rehearsal one day and we're we're getting, getting ready to actually record some demos for, I think it was for Columbia Records. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was for Columbia. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a stoner, so I'm, I'm walking in a little late. And and uh, we had met this A&R guy like a week or two before, and he was coordinating all. And I'm, I'm walking into this rehearsal studio, and the manager, this guy named Desi, comes storming out. And he's pissed, and he just walks right by me. And me and him are cool. And I was yeah. just like, oh, what am I walking into? I'm like, what am I, what am I, what did, what's going on? Oh, so I walk in and the band's on one side of the room and the A&R guy and the two singers are on the other side of the room. And I'm, and I'm like, what's up, guys? And the <laughs> A&R guy's like, congratulations. You guys just, you know, you, the deal's done. You're with Columbia Records and you're going to record a demo record on Monday. And I was <laughs> like, cool. I was just in my head. I was like, cool, where do I sign? And he was just basically like, no, nah, it's just the two singers are signing and you guys are going to record the music. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was like, uh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, and by the way, I'm your new manager. Oh my God. And so, so I was like, oh, that's why Desi walked out. So after we had that meeting, I just left and called Desi and I was like, hey, Desi, I want you to know that I didn't have anything to do with that. Like whatever went on there, that had nothing to do with me. And it's like, I'm not going to record this demo with these cats. Like I'm not getting anything out of it. Right. And he, he was like, Hey, don't worry. I know it wasn't you. You just do whatever you want to do. And we got off the phone and like three months later, 
he calls me up and he's like, hey, you still DJing? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, my, one of my good friends is a lawyer for this band called Incubus. Have you ever heard of them? I was like, no. You know, they, they weren't, you know, you, college radio was the only thing they were getting played on at the time. Right. And like one song and they were playing gigs that were sold out, like the Troubadour and things like that. But I wasn't going to those kind of, you know, clubs back then unless there was a hip hop artist there. Yeah. You know? So he's like, yeah, well, I, I want you to take this guy's phone call. I think it could be a really good gig for you. And so I was like, yeah, have him call me. So this the lawyer called me and then he's like, can I have the guitar player call you? And the guitar player called me. He's like, okay, let's, can we meet tomorrow? And I said, sure. And then like two, three days later, we were on tour. And I was Crazy. just like, yeah, I was just like, what? I was just my and whole you're like, I'm in a rock teams. band I never heard of. <laughs> oh, crazy. we were playing. We did our first little tour was up and down the the West Coast, and we just yeah. we had like five or six gigs. And I thought it was just a week long for them just to see if they like me, and we maybe we might do something else in the future. Right. And it was fun. We were playing small little clubs, and you know, we had forty, fifty people with bars and things like that. And we get home, and I guess everybody was tired or something, but they didn't really say, they just said, all right, see you later. Didn't tell me right. what was going on, didn't nothing. And like three days later, they're like, hey, you ready? We're going to Europe. Oh, and that, after that, it was it. Like the next 10 years of my life was sucked up out of the DJ world and touring with those guys. Crazy. You know? I love that. It's crazy. Though. That's so cool. It was like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which Amazing. was cool because, you know, it really is, life is timing and lighting, being in the right place at the right time. You know, so obviously you have to be in the right mind frame to realize what's put in front of you and yeah. you have to be able to have the skills if you, if you work a skilled job to be able to walk through the door. Yeah. But it's really timing and lighting, you know, cause you know, I'm not the only yeah. guy that could have done the, the gig, you know, right. I could, I'm the only guy that could have done it my way, but yeah, you know, there's plenty of talented DJs out there that could have filled in there. So, right. But, but your whole life leading it. up to that, like you, they could have asked you and you could have blown it. You know, you could have not been oh, yeah. that I into it or like, not care about DJing. Yeah. And they would be like, this dude I sucks. Said, it's know? not hip hop. I'd be like, yeah, it's not hip hop. I'm not into it. Exactly. You know? Like people, people have done that, you know, like I've seen it and it's just like, yo, like you're shooting yourself in the foot, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Crazy. That's such a dope story. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, we got off the tangent from the, the song with uh, Newmark and Cut Chemist, but oh, that was okay. such an amazing so, story. Sorry, I had to hear that uh, to lead so into it. Cut, but, but yeah, so how did that happen? Cut to a year <laughs> later. Cut to a year yeah. later where in NRG Studios writing a recording, Make Yourself. Yeah. Right. And uh, I just had my stuff out. My turntables out in the hallway because I was still like testing out test pressings and things like that, and still like figuring out what's the perfect things to put on each song. And yeah. you know, we'd work really fast once we're in the studio. So I was taking every single time I had when they're recording drums or guitars or something, I was out in the hallway working. Right. And and cut chemist and Newmark would walk by, and we do we just get they they just be like, hey, let me cut cut for quick sec so they cut on yeah. you know for a little bit and stuff so one day brandon's like hey guys i can't come tomorrow i got a dentist appointment i can't come and so we're like all right we'll, we'll just work on something so we come in the next day and we actually just started working on that groove and that jam and i was like how rad would it be if i just went next door and asked cut and new mark to come over and we just each took a scratch verse 
and we scratch our own voices on it because I had that record with like all of our own voices on it. Right. And everybody was like, cool. Yeah, let's try it. So I just went next door. It was like, Hey, cut new. You guys want to come record a scratch verse? And they came out into the hallway that while they were recording bass or guitar, finishing it up. And I was like, here's the sounds and cut. You take the first verse. I'll take the second verse. New Mark, you take the last one. And they were like, yeah, cool. And we just went in and laid it down. And we did that whole track from recording all the instrumental to all the scratching all in like a day, not even a whole day. Crazy. Oh, my just God. Fucking, what a just, great story. just fucking around because Brandon had a dentist appointment. Yeah. Oh, thank God for uh, getting your teeth cleaned. <laughs> we yeah, wouldn't right? have that track in the world. Thank mm-hmm. you, Brandon's dentist. Uh, that's yeah. so funny. Crazy. And And then what's really cool about the guys in my band they're super open. Obviously they had a DJ come in and like turn them upside down, <laughs> yeah. but they're super open to new things, new music, you know, new sounds, new, new everything. So they were totally like, yes, this has to go on the record. They were like, of course this has to go on the record. Yeah. And back then we were on Sony and they didn't really, they didn't really care. They just wanted to hear the hits. So if we had yeah. two or three hits that they liked, they were like, well, the rest of the record could sound whatever it wants to sound like. Right. So that's how that happened. Scratches. Yeah. Crazy. That's so dope. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that track. I was I was listening to it again today just to kind of get inspired. I was like, oh man, this is so tight. The way the drums are and the way you guys fit it all together and you recreated the samples you scratched and, and all that stuff. It was so cool. Yeah. So when we we did the reunion tour, I was doing a virgin a version of that song. We played we played Make Yourself Front to Back. So oh, I would wow. do a DJ solo for that song. I just did just a battle routine and then it would go into that song and I would scratch my verse and Newmark's yeah. verse. And then, right. um, <clears throat> and then that would be that song. So yeah. it was all flashy and stuff like that. But when we played the Hollywood bowl, I was like, how cool would it be if Newmark and cut could actually come? Oh man. So I called him up like, uh, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks before. And I was like, Hey, are you guys going to be in town? Can you do this? And both of them were going to be in town both days and they yes. both were like of course we'll come yeah. and it was pro- for me for me on the whole entire tour that was the most special moment because That's it was great. like 20 years later and we're still doing this and it's yeah. just like i'm i'm standing on stage in front of this, the crowd at the hollywood bowl watching the crowd watching cut and new mark like right here my turntables are right here and i'm just yes oh my this God. is so cool yeah that literally gives me chills to like hear that and think about it you know what i mean it's like crazy and the hollywood bowl is so iconic like and and the fact that you're bringing that culture of the dj culture and scratching to all of these people that are not exposed to it and probably aren't as prone to go be fans of it because they're not hip-hop fans first so that's so cool yeah yeah and i think that's a big responsibility that i've kind of right taken on that's something that i've always thought about that that's why a lot of fans say well why don't you scratch anymore why don't you scratch i do but it's so subtle a lot of times because you know it's got to fit in it's got to be right it's got to fit the times right you know, and we're not in the 90s anymore so yeah. it's like you know scratching has been you know in the 2000s scratching was everywhere you couldn't you couldn't get an elevator and not hear some kind of like cheesy jazz scratch or watch a commercial without scratching like it was yeah. everywhere so yeah. yeah so to be able to do that you know and bring that back and show that was super super cool that was definitely one of the highlights 
I've ever had. So yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I know what you mean with the, like, they asked me to do scratches before that blink tour. They're like, can you do scratches on the album? And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I remember going in the studio with, um, John Feldman and he's like, can you, and it was saying we took the stems and then put them into my Serato. And I was trying to figure out, okay, am I going to scratch the lead singer? Am I going to scratch this part, this part, this part of the drum? And we kept experimenting and, and it has to be so subtle within that kind of music, you know? So we had, yeah. and it couldn't be too, you know, he's like, that's too pitchy. Like it's going up and down and, and, and it's coming from not really hip hop producer type people. So they're like, that just sounds whack what you're doing. It's like, bip, 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 you know? So I had to make it yeah. like very, smooth and 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 then some people like i didn't even hear you i'm like no i'm in there the whole time but i had to like be part of the band you know for for that song they let me do it on but yeah Yeah. it's that's so cool yeah the guys the guys in in my band i'm so impressed at how i'm impressed at their work ethic and i'm really impressed at at how particular they are about what they're doing collectively not so much about what each of themselves are doing or they don't point fingers and say, okay, you know, like don't do that. Don't do that. But for example, I'll be home working hours and hours and hours just on a eight bar loop that I can show them in rehearsal tomorrow, like something so fly that they can't, they're just going to blow their minds. Yeah. I do that. I'm like, and I'd, I'd get to the end of it the night before I'd be like, yeah, this is going to blow their minds. And I come in the next day and they were like, yeah, it's cool. Could you do something different? <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, what? This is like, a, I'm just like, this is the dopest thing in the world. What are you talking about? And they'd oh, be like, man. it's cool, but it just doesn't fit this kind of vibe. And and they're not looking at it from a DJ perspective. They're not looking at it from all oh, this they're crazy cuts and it's this going on. And they're just looking at it like, does it fit the music? Right. And, you know, early in the in my career like that's that's it's like you put your heart and soul into something then have oh, other people just be like ah nah and just kind of overlook it it's like that's a hard you know hard pill to swallow but right. it, it definitely helped me grow a lot because one art subjective you know doesn't yeah. mean it's not it doesn't mean it's not funky doesn't mean it's not fresh it it yeah. might be really dope to me but th- there's five of us it's got to be right. dope to five of us, yeah. you know? So I've definitely learned to work on something really hard, be particular about it to myself. And if it doesn't pass their test, it's not a judgment on my skills. It's not a judgment on how good it is. It's a judgment on the piece as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, I've definitely yeah. learned that. And and I'm I'm definitely growing as a musician because of it, just from watching these guys and, you know, how we react with each other. Right. Yeah. I know as human beings, like we take things, it's hard not to take things personally, but once you can get past that, it could help you grow and be better when you don't take it personally and just yeah. keep pushing, you know, and, yeah. and they, exactly. Yeah. Not everyone is going to have the same ears as you or hear it the same way or have the same kind of end goal in mind which it's that's why it comes down to a lot of times just us versus us you know we're the ones that can sabotage ourselves or our ego can mess ourselves up when if you just throw that out the window life could be yeah. better you keep pushing and keep learning and yeah. you can be happy but if you get so caught yeah. in your own like ego and myself and no nah, i'm right then 
you kind of get stuck. People, and, people, and people do that. And I, when I see it, I'm just like, okay, that dude or that, that girl, whoever it is, like they, yeah. they, they got some room to grow, you know, because yeah. they, uh, it's just a mindset. They could, they could take that. Like, like what I did is I took that eight bar bit I did and I just threw it in my back pocket. I'm like, yeah. yep, there it is. Just like my Twitch sets. Like, yes. I'm, I got so many more different styles of sets now that are in the bag. Yeah. You know, they're all in Serato's, my crates, and they're all there. I got the, they're all, the cue points are set, and it's like, it's perfect. And, you know, it was a lot of work, but in the long right. run now, you know, I've got tons yeah. and tons of different kinds of sets. Yeah, you got a whole you know? arsenal of like a museum full of amazing different things you can pull <laughs> yeah. out at any time, any place. And, yeah. and once you're back out on tour and you're in whatever Norway or some crazy place where you think this set would go off or do you ever get to do after parties as a DJ on the tours? Like oh, go DJ sure. a spot. Yeah, That's for great. sure. They're, they're some of my favorite gigs too, because they're mostly Incubus fans, you yeah. know, so they're just there because they're at the concert or whatever, but I get to show them me, and yes. you know, there a lot of them are in real crazy places. Like one of my favorite gigs was in Venezuela. Like wow. this other DJ who was a DMC battle DJ at the time called me down. He's like, "Hey, I run this uh, club and I do it, yeah. you know, every every night. And you guys are playing like a night or two after it. Do you want to come down and DJ the club?" Crazy. And I did, and it just went off like Venezuela rocks and i was just wow. like this is crazy me the uh uh his his dj is dj mkc okay. uh and you probably heard of him from back in the day or not but he's right. he djs with uh 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 what's a really famous latin american artist now starts his name starts with an m why can't i think of his name uh maluma uh, maluma maluma yeah. yeah he's his dj and musical director now crazy that's so dope to so, hear i love yeah, that a real dj so, is is the yeah. director for him that's so cool yeah so dope and he i just remember being down there and he was djing and it was this dope hip-hop club and then i went on and it just the level just went up and i'm like and then we started you know back to back in later in the night and then he was like, hey, well, you know, I don't live too far from here. You want to come over and just scratch? And I'm, I'm like up in Venezuela, up in, you know, some crazy place I'd never been to before with this dude I just met. And he's one of the coolest, coolest dudes. And we we end up scratching all night long in this place. And, the you best. know, yeah, a decade later, we're like, you know, we're homies, you know, I love we're that. still friends. Yeah. That's so cool. That just speaks to what we were saying in the beginning, how music just connects all of us. Like, that's what I miss about touring and just going to like, I remember going to, you know, Nashville, Tennessee for my first time. And then, you know, meeting up with DJs that I've only talked to online. And then same thing. We end up till six in the morning at their spot, scratching and talking and just like it's crazy you know you're like family by the end of it it's like now yeah, i talk right? to them i'm like yo if you're ever in my city like i got you if i'm ever out there we're gonna do this now and you know anything yeah. i could do to help you through the internet i got you and you know it's it's just yeah. um that's the great thing about traveling that's really what i starting to miss it's been a year to, before since i've gone anywhere it's like oh man yeah I miss that yeah that, that connection with people um, we'll get it back We'll get yeah, it back. For sure. We'll just, get it back. Like I feel a, just a bump in the road. 
For sure. I feel optimistic. I feel like this is a thing that we all needed in a way. Never in our life have has the whole world shut down and given you an opportunity to do what you want to do at home and really think about things and kind of be able to yeah. be yourself at home and scratch more or whatever you want to spend your time on. So yeah. there's yeah. silver linings yeah. to it. Um, obviously, I wish no one was dying or getting hurt or sick, you know, to, to lead to the yeah. silver lining. But like it's there's things that good that come out of it um yeah and yeah as far as like um being a hip-hop dj or coming from that world and then going into the rock band uh world and the touring world did you ever feel like disconnected from the dj community or did you ever get any sort of haters or backlash from that at all or no yeah i definitely felt disconnected because you know my whole world was my was like scratching with my dj crew like that's right. all we were like we we're coming up with routines and things like that and then i'm yeah. like gone yeah. and and we toured the first year we started touring well i started touring with the band we did 315 shows in a year span wow and we were in a van and trailer just driving ourselves and you know setting everything up so it was like a lot of hard work and the and it just went by like that and then the next year the next year the next year and so I totally like just got picked up out of my community and and started traveling in this bubble with this rock band. So yeah, I definitely felt disconnected from other DJs because I was always around other DJs until right. then. Yeah. Um, as far as haters, like I think that just goes with getting a little fame or a little popular. You know, there's always going to yeah, be people that are trying to pull you down. So that's kind of how I always looked at it. Like. If anybody ever wanted to battle or get up and yeah. have scratch sesh, like I never said no. Like yeah, I was let, like, let's okay, go. Well, yeah, like yeah, I'm 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 cool with whatever. Like I got right. I got some tricks in my bag and they're there if I need to pull them out. So be careful what you say. I was always still in that competitive <laughs> mode. <laughs> you right. know, now that I'm older, that that's pretty much gone. Like you know, there's so many sick DJs and especially young DJs. Oh, that are so sick yeah and and i'm just I, I think of myself and i put myself like if i was that young now and so into djing like i was back then like the i would i was i'd, I'd be such a dope dj compared to what i am now <laughs> because there's so many tools that you can use yeah now that we didn't crazy. have back in the day yeah i know so i'm i admire all the young djs i, I love to see them i love to see all the tricks that they're doing and you know, just say if any if any of them reach out to me or try to try to say what's up or, you know, I'm always trying to hit them back and be like, yeah, you know, what can I do? How can I help? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That that's yeah. dope. That's great of you. Yeah. And, and, it, and as you know, far as. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I was just going to say all the all the really dope DJs like they don't call people out. You know, no, they let their no. they let their work speak for itself. They don't have so, time because they're just doing dope yeah. shit. There's no time to yeah, do that. Like. Yeah, so if people are calling you out and hating on you, you, you know, it's they got their own, usually, own problems. Yeah, usually means that there's a lack of skill or lack of body of work there that you know they're insecure about. 
You know, I don't, I don't, you don't, you don't hate on other people for shit. That's that why it's pointless doing. to fight with people on the internet. You know, like I see that, like even on, I saw someone commenting on the YouTube for a, a, someone else that was on this podcast a few weeks ago and they were writing all this crazy shit about the person. And then I saw all these other DJs defending the DJ and they're getting in these crazy arguments. And I'm thinking, let me look at this person's page before I, I'm not going to say anything either way, but I just kind of want to know. And it's exactly what you think. The person had never done anything. They're in this little whatever kind of depressing world where they have their own problems and they're just lashing out on the internet comments and like to fight yeah. with those people or to even take that stuff to heart or personally, it's pointless. You know, they have their own yeah. things that they're That's dealing with. It's a downward with. spiral. It's a downward sure. spiral. Just put positivity out there in the world and be real about stuff and why even deal with that you know i'll help them if they want i'm like yo i hope you're gonna be okay like i'm down to talk to you if you want to talk this out man like you got some problems yeah. so. um, <laughs> <laughs> i hope you're okay buddy um yeah yeah no i try not to ever respond to any of any of that stuff and Me you know even sometimes like if it's on my page or if it's on the incubus page like we'll just leave it up sometimes if it's not too yeah, offensive me too. because even taking the time to delete the comment is like you're almost you're almost showing them that you're putting the energy in and they heard you and 100%. it's like whatever you know if anything i'll make a nice uh, joke and just be nice to them and like send like a kissing face or something like hey yeah yeah that's probably the hug. best way to deal with it yeah. <laughs> you know like we're, all, okay. we're all going through It'll stuff okay. guys like you know there's no point yeah. to what you're doing um yeah and, and especially and with art it's yeah. so subjective like yeah you know like like I might not like something, but it doesn't mean it's not dope. Of course, you know, it, it's like it's just it's subjective. Like it's just okay. I, emotionally, I didn't connect with that. Right doesn't mean my wife won't, or you yeah. know, or you might not. It's just yeah. for me. Uh, yeah, okay. It's, yeah, I don't connect with it. It doesn't mean it's not dope. It might. It might be. You know, it might be a Grammy winning track of, yeah. <laughs> of the year, and I'm just not feeling it. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 As but far I'm not as your say guys, it's a shitty track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Like it's just not for you. Yeah. It's uh. It's not not yeah. for your taste. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So if you're out there hating, just remember that. <laughs> remember that. Just remember, yeah. we don't care. <laughs> you can, we don't yeah, care you about spend that. You can spend. You can spend that energy telling people that well the things you like. Go find right. the songs you like, you like. And, and hit them up. Yeah, hit yeah. them up. Be like, yo, this is dope. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. What, what about, um? so as far as Incubus coming out with new music, are you guys on the same label that you've been on? Or are you on um a new label? No, are you even on we, a label? Yeah, we're we're new. No, we, we now we're independent. We have, okay. uh, we're distributed by ADA. And okay. ADA is, you know, a distribution company under Warner Brothers. But as right. far as the label, it's ours. And, uh, you know, we've been through the label before that was Def, uh, not Def Jam, but Island. Yeah. And we were on Sony for most of our career. And, you know, we bounced around with different owners and, you know, yeah. chairman and, and different yeah. A&R people and all that stuff. And now the world is so different. And, you know, we're, we're kind of like the legacy band now. So it's like, you know, we can do it all ourselves. So. Yeah. You have your fan yeah. base and all that. Um, something that we started discussing before we started recording was 
in the past few weeks and month or so, this whole big uh, thing, I don't know how to even describe it. It's so new, but uh, NFTs have come into the world of art and music. And that's for the people listening that don't know, it stands for non-fungible token, which probably you don't need to know. Like, I don't know what Wi-Fi stands for. So you probably don't have to need to know what NFT stands for, but just know that that's the weird term everybody's using to describe it. But I think what it, what it, shows is that it's in a way connected to cryptocurrency in the way that cryptocurrency is on a blockchain and it's sort of like the future of the internet of the way that everybody can be connected and things can be um, proven who owns it and things like that and so like an nft is something where it can prove that there's a -a one-of-a-kind thing and so Before we started, I was telling you, like, I'm in this with my son, like, digital trading cards collecting this thing called NBA Top Shot. And that's based on a blockchain, based on an NFT thing. And I'll have, like, an Anthony Davis card, and they only made 15,000 of them. And you buy one, and the, the price increases, and I own this card, then I can sell it on the marketplace afterwards. So it's coming into... A lot of different things. Someone made an NFT of a shoe and somebody bought it for $13,000. I don't totally know why, but that's, we're all figuring it out. I think it's a new thing, but right? I think it's yeah. coming into the music world <laughs> is what I've noticed. And um, the art world is like blowing up from it. Like Christie's, the like big auction house is auctioning off this artwork by this guy, Beeple, who is someone that does this really cool artwork online. And he's known for doing one piece of art every single day for the past 13 years. And then once he entered into this NFT game, people started, he got a lot of buzz. People started purchasing his things. I think he made like $3.5 million in like a few minutes of people minting his pieces and owning them. Then somebody resold one of them. I heard a couple of days ago for $6.6 million or something. One of the NFTs got sold to another person. I, it's I think we're in a crazy time, who knows, but I've seen um, a lot of them have music incorporated with it, and I've seen musicians doing it. So like this guy, Grammatic, he's a DJ producer, makes dope shit. Uh, I've seen him do stuff, and I saw him come out with a few NFTs, which were like an animated artwork and music that he made specifically for this. And you could buy, I think, only a certain amount, maybe 999 or whatever the amount was, and they cost, let's say... $1,000 per one. And then he sold like $1.5 million worth of these things like the other day in five minutes, there was, it was an auction. So within five minutes, all these people are clicking and now they own his things and they're able to resell them. But every day a new thing comes out. I saw another producer come out with one and he created a contract that's connected to it on the blockchain where the person who bought it owns the publishing now of that song that they bought connected to the artwork and they're allowed to do whatever they want with the publishing as long as the artist agrees. So they have to get the artist's approval. And then there's also the cut is built in to the NFT. So if this person who bought the NFT and owns the publishing and puts it in a movie and the artist is cool with it, and then the person who bought the NFT gets the publishing money from the licensing, they also kick back to the artist and the musician part of it. So that was the first time I've seen that. And then today I saw Illmind 
the producer came out with the first NFT sample pack. So it was like he created, like you were saying, all these vintage keyboards created. I think it was 10 sounds that are, if you buy it, people are bidding on it right now. There's like three days to bid on it. Last time I checked, it was like up to like $1,600 and you buy it. You can either keep them, not use them and sell them because he transfers the copyright to you. So then you own these songs and there's only one of one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so either you can use them in your song and you own it for whatever you bid against everybody for, or it gets passed on. And it's just like growing like day after day. So I just wonder yeah, I think- if um, you guys are going to get into that at all. You know, I just started learning about it. I've probably known it about it for about a week. Yeah. And uh, about it for three minutes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. It's yeah, we have, it feels like we, you know, even we, though we've been in COVID, we've been working on a few things yeah, I'm sure. independently because we haven't been able to get together as a band. Yeah. So we have been working on a project that I cannot disclose yet. Okay. But yes, there will be music coming out. And, it would be really interesting to explore doing something like that because I yeah. think I think you it's kind of like a Bitcoin. You don't have to own all of it. You could just own a piece of it, if I'm not correct, right? And I think I think for, so. Yeah, you could potentially go in on it with other people and own it with the other ones. That I'm I'm not 100 percent sure about. I I think I think it breaks down like that some in certain ways, and you could do that, and so like certain people can own pieces of it. But also when they sell crazy. it, and they and as they keep selling it, like it would be like a pub deal for for the artist because right when you sell it, you know we would. I, the way I'm understanding it, the artist would get a percentage of that sale. Yeah, albeit a small percentage, but you know, as At the number point, goes up, no that gets bigger and bigger. You could yeah. do whatever. Like for example, that six million dollar painting that sold. There's a royalty built into all the secondhand sales forever for these artists. So exactly. that never happened before. It's not like someone that someone that auctions off their painting. Then that rich person owns it and they put it in their wall or whatever, and then they decide yeah. to sell it off. It's done. The artist doesn't know what happens until they see it. Oh, it happens to be over here. But now it's all trackable on this blockchain that will forever track what's happening to it. And the contract associated with it, whether it's Incubus or whoever, gets 20% of every time it gets sold going forward. Yeah, That's kind of crazy because you're almost partnering with your fans they're investing in you in this crazy way they're helping you you're helping them you guys are so much closer than just the come to buy my ticket or wear my t-shirt type relationship yeah so yeah that's that's what really yeah that's what really interests me about it and uh you know as a band we would have to sit down and and really come to a conclusion and kind of like just jump in that pool you know and and i'll you know if it's being in a band situation is a little tougher than just being a solo artist uh, in the fact yeah. that, you know, we run our band pretty democratically. So, you know, yeah. three of us are like, we want to do this. And the other two are like, no, the other two, you know, be like, all right, well, we're outvoted. Let's move forward. And, yeah. and it's the only way we can move on as a band. So it, it is really democratic. So you got to, it's like, you got to play a little politics to get everybody into that same mindset. Cause I'm definitely, I would write music, you know, and put it on there just to see what happens. And, you know, obviously me as a solo artist isn't as big as me with the band. So like my mentality would be like with the band, like, let's just 
let's write a song and just put it on there. Like make some art. Right. Cause we got great artists in the band and then make some music to go with it and see what happens. Right. You it's know? almost the beginning. Think, it's that same feeling as the beginning of the internet where you're like, wait, I can post something I made on here. Like a DJ mix. Like, it's that, you know, to, yes, some yeah. people are going to approach it from a very money standpoint and all these whack people are going to come into it and celebrities and they're going to take advantage of the whole technology and make it seem whack. But I think that the true artists and the true music artists, visual artists and beyond are have an opportunity to take control of their art, change the way things go, move, change the way things work moving forward and there's no rules. We can just experiment and have fun with just putting out art for art's sake and not worry so much about, is it going to make money? Um, and then if it does yeah. make tons of money, then great. But uh, Well, there's that yeah. whole side of it. You know, I, I like what you said about you kind of collaborating with your fans. Yeah, and, I love and that. And being interactive with them. That's, that's incredible because we are always searching for ways to do that, you know. On the money yeah. side, we're always searching for ways to make money as as musicians now. Of course. Because, you know, record labels aren't selling the records they used to, so they're not paying. They used, they're they actually trying to dig their claws in and get as much out of you as they can. And it, to be a startup musician or startup band these days, I actually don't really even know how they do it aside from, you know, using social media. Right. Because, you know, getting a label to actually support you rather than just setting you up for a big fall is 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 like a really tricky thing to navigate in this yeah. day and age you know right so yeah, everything like, moves quick like if things people, yeah. the patience for anything is gone it moves so fast um yeah. and even seeing how this nft thing is exponentially moving which i don't know if that's healthy because People are getting so FOMO'd out. Like, I need to be in this. I'm missing out my whole life. Like, this is just the beginning, guys. Like, don't be so hard on yourself if you don't know what it is or you're not in on it. You know, like a lot of the people that are in on it or making these big dollars and making the headlines. Yes, that's what happens in all the industries. But it's better to just experiment with it, learn and do what really means something to you because that is what always shines through and all the time. And, and that's what genuinely sure. you will connect with your community. Your Incubus fans are a community who feel connected within themselves and then to you. And that's why they see you live and they buy your merchandise. And that's the yeah. cool thing. They're able to support you, but then you're able to like work with them or even the artists. Like I have this Blink-182 poster in the back and like the buff monster made it. And when we went on this tour, every, we went on 60 plus city tour. Every single one had a specific artist that did a specific poster everyone was the dopest shit ever. i have every poster uh, in like my garage and i'm yeah. like i want to put them up uh, everyone but i feel like a crazy person like the people think i'm but in this world it, they could be collabing with these artists and selling these things and then the artists and then the fans could be in on it and helping out somehow and there's just yeah the that's, sky's that's the a limit. great perspective of, of, a, of a way to look at it you know like yeah. It really is a collaboration uh, yeah. on all levels. 
on all levels. It's like we're all coming together in the same way that social media and streaming and all this stuff is happening. Like social media was this thing where we were like on MySpace and we were like, oh, we can see each other. We can email. And then it moved on to like, oh, people are writing Twitter updates real time. It's fast. And they're posting a picture of what they did this weekend. I feel like the new social media now is this live thing. So people love Twitch and Clubhouse and things that are like real life right in your face that seems like the new movement of it and we're all connected and we're all trying to be connected worldwide and this is the new way to be connected worldwide also monetarily but hopefully not shady monetarily like in a way that's positive and we all help each other um in a great way you know i have these conversations with my dad all the time i'm like you know my my family hasn't really traveled the world that much. You know, they've traveled a little bit, but not like me, obviously. Not, yeah. not many people have traveled the world <laughs> like me. But no, you've been to every country in the world probably. We see we see we see everybody and, and we connect with people from the most craziest cultures in the same way I would connect with you, like we're connecting right now. Like it, yes. there's a connection between human beings and the technology that we have makes all of our antiquated ideals well they're antiquated they're they're obsolete you know like right. there's no geographical boundaries anymore you know if right. you want to go somewhere you just hop on a plane and go if you want to learn what's happening you just open up google and, and search for it you know yeah. what i mean like we're instantly connected via the internet yeah. so we are a worldly people. We're not just America. We're not just Europe. We're not just this. We're like together as world. So, so, yeah. you know, for me, I'm like, if you look at it on a really macro level, then, you know, our whole goal is to survive as a human species. Like we should all be working together to, to make that happen. We should be in space with spaceships and like, you, yes. you know, like yeah. have hotels on the moon and like be like Star Trek shit going out and exploring stuff. Like, like it's all about us surviving as a as a human race because there's only one race it's a human race yeah you know so so when i'm watching you know this last year is hard being in covid and and just being caught up with all the different kinds of movements and the, all the violence and and all the politics yeah. and it's like wait a second like like we're all people yeah. you know regardless so mm. you know that it's so that true. Don't, that that like blockchain and and the whole you know the the e trading and all that kind of stuff and the and the e coins like you know that's that's a universal currency and right that's what i try to explain to people because people get so into the money like of like what's cryptocurrency and bitcoin and i'm trying to get rich and how much do i invest and it's like yes there's people getting rich there's whole industries based off of it it is definitely money based it's currency based but there's theories behind it. I think that the main people that are pushing it, it's, and yes, people go, oh, it's conspiracy theories or this and that. But the theories behind it is what you're saying. We should all be connected. We're separated by money and banks and governments and all these things that aren't real because we're all just humans, you know, and we're separated by skin colors and things that have just been made up forever, genders, sexual orientations, like so many stupid things, you know, and that we're all just people. And we said it in the beginning with the music, that's what put, puts us all that's, together. Yeah. And, 
And yeah. so I think in a way that's what the ideal of the cryptocurrencies and the bitcoins and the NFTs and all these things can represent is that it's something that I don't even know when I'm listening to these clubhouse talks where these people are. They're in Venezuela, they're in Norway, they're in Mexico, they're in all over the fucking place, you know? And so yeah. it's that's what it represents is is bringing us together, a way for us to all work together, a way for us to the synergy of art in the same way that music has always gone with art. You know, we've always as record covers. I mean, how much do vinyl record covers mean to you? Every single piece of art goes into your eyes and then creates music in your head that nobody else can hear. Like I yeah, can yeah. look at all my records and I'm like, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. You know, like yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. What, what that's. Yeah. Just like, weird, like I was yeah. asking me about the ones behind you. Like those are exactly. iconic. Like I, I'm like, okay, I know when I bought that record, I know when I got that record, it takes me to a specific place in my brain that as a specific moment that means something to me, it right. gives me that emotion. Yeah. I look yeah. at, okay, I got mob deep shook ones. I remember driving in my car being 16 years old, you know, and, and doing this with my friends and, and it represents so many memories and things in my head, that piece of artwork visually. And then that piece of artwork sonically, like that's yeah. nuts. You know how it, that is our memory. That's our bookmark in time. That's how we can set where we were in our life at that moment and and then it continues through with us it grows with us as we get older it kind of like stays there yeah. like our companion <laughs> yeah i know we're getting yeah. really trippy really uh i know but out. i mean but, our, but it's the our, truth all, i really feel like all that. art all our all music uh you know uh digital art like you know yes. canvas art movies you know poetry a good book like yep all like they they all talk to you in the language of emotions so we all have the same emotions like i said before you know? yeah we all get we yeah. all know what being angry is we all know what being well hopefully we all know what being in love is you know we all know what pain is it's like we all have that and that's yeah. what's really important about the entertainer you know it's it's an essential job yeah because society right. needs it need it needs music it needs art it needs books you know it needs all of these things because it's a way for you to let all this heavy stuff out right you know and, and you know for me the best way is doing it live in front of people yeah. at a concert because you actually get to you know you you can't physically see the energy but you you feel it like sometimes yeah. you think you can actually see it you yeah. know yeah, yeah, without drugs, without the help right, of drugs. Right. <laughs> it, it's the truth. I've been on both sides of that. <laughs> Being yeah. sober and not yeah. and seeing and hearing the music, you know, and yeah. and I think, um, yeah, it's it's so true, man. Like all, all that stuff you're saying, it it rings very true, and and I think everything will eventually be nft or whatever the term will be like it's all going to be like that and i think there will be negative connotations and shady parts of it and there will be positive ones that will push everything forward and it's same with sports even like you're saying sports connect everybody in a way the whole it's, world yeah. is connected through sports and that's why this nft top shot you know who knows if this is the thing that carries on into the future and is still the like the tops cards that i collected when i was a kid and now my kid does like Maybe this will be it. Maybe it won't. But that's why this is catching on too. We get this these visceral like emotions from watching 
sports for athletes and and being fans of them and being part of that community and all of us connecting in one way or another we all just want to be connected so yes that's hopefully that's what's going to help us so it would be dope to see incubus or even just you on a solo project um experiment in that world yeah i'm really interested in that i definitely got to learn more about it but i really and i really like the fact that it's a way for the artist to take control of their piece of art and not someone else coming in and saying okay we'll give you a little bit and we'll take the rest Right. I saw this kid, 18 year old kid. And he was like, man, I was listening to him on clubhouse after he did this big auction. And he was like, my parents, my family used to make fun of my art. They used to say, this is horrible. What are you doing? Like say all these negative things to me. I just sold a million dollars worth of my paintings in a few minutes. And now my whole life has changed forever, you know, and it's crazy. Like it can really change people's lives for the better and show them that they are worth something, even if their closest people to them tell them they're not, you know, like everybody's worth something, no matter what, everybody has something to share in this world, whether they know it or not, or whether other people want to judge them or not, you know, everybody is special one way or another. That's, that's why I learned even on this podcast, like talking to people, like how much knowledge and perspective everybody has. So cool. Like, I feel like I learn so much every week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Dan, all right, we're going off on a tangent. We've been talking forever, but um, one thing is that I asked the internet, the good old internet that we're talking about, um, if they had any questions for you. And I got a lot, like (laughs) more than I've ever gotten probably, but I won't ask (laughs) all of them, but uh, do you have time? You want me to go through a few of them and see if you want to answer any of them? Yeah, sure. Let's see. Um, I will admit the truth is that I didn't have time to go through all of them and edit them. So I'm going to live see what, uh, which ones are better than others. But um, Let's see. I'll just start at the top and just kind of go through. And if some ones are bad, we could throw them, throw them in the garbage. Some people are just saying, I will work with Incubus one day. So I hope you do, person. But uh, the yeah. uh, <laughs> um, let's see. <clears throat> Kenneth P. Kenneth PL14 says, what's your favorite song to play? Oh, man. <laughs> just that that's 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 another subjective thing it just depends what kind of mood i'm in right okay okay <laughs> if i have Kenneth. to if i have to you know they're all like we always say this all the time they're all like your kid because that's like saying okay which kid do you like better yeah, exactly. while your kids are standing there <laughs> yeah you're like yeah. that one I, <laughs> yeah my but my i can answer that in a general sense like i think the the my most fun songs to play are the newest ones yeah i hear that you know just for just for the fact that you know the old songs like it they've just they're like muscle memory and a lot of times you can just kind of like go through the motions if you're not feeling right but with the new ones like they're not there yet and you're concentrating you're focused and you're like okay i can't fuck this up and you and you're like you're more present playing those at least i am right you know yeah yeah yeah. it's more so i would say the new ones then they're more challenging. I think that's what yeah. it is. Not that they're more inspiring. Cause I really love, you know, some of my favorite Incubus songs are the older ones, but playing them, you know, anything new is definitely more challenging. And I, I enjoy that. Right. 
Okay, dope. Good answer. Um, and going through the questions, I'm realizing we really answered a ton of these. So if you guys are listening to just this part, go back and listen to the whole podcast because a lot of these were answered through the through our talks. But um, let's see. Someone is oh, the Beatles are creepy on Instagram. Says I've had dreadlocks for a little while, and I was wondering how long you've had yours. Okay, my last haircut was 1995. Damn, <laughs> when you moved to like, LA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I one of the things my my uh, mom did because I, I was adopted into a white family. My oh, okay. mom took me to black black barbershop, same black barbershop. Growing up, we go into the city, and she take me to get my haircut in the black barbershop. So I got to be around black people. Right, right. You know, they didn't have any black friends or anything like that. So that was the thing. So I only got my hair cut by Mr. Wallace on Market yes. Street in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And so even when I went to school in D.C., you know, that's only an hour and a half away. So I would go back and get my hair cut. Right. And when I moved to L.A., that was it. And I never had a I never had a different barber. So I just started letting it grow. And then by 96, I was all locked up. And I was like, fuck it. Let's just see how long this goes. And here we, are. Here we are. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. My kid is mixed too. My wife's black and I'm white Jewish, you know, and, and I try to, we try to make sure that we explain to him, you're a mix of everything in the world. You know what I mean? You really yeah. represent everyone and try to make sure he's around all different kind of cultures and types of people, you know, take that all in. Um, yeah. LA is a great place to do that in. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I always say yeah. mixed people like we're we're like the future of the world because eventually we're, all gonna, <laughs> eventually we're all going to be mixed. Well, we all are already mixed. Of but, course, we're all. Yeah. But but yeah. but what you're saying is the truth. I say that to him all the time. Like you're the future of the world. You have pieces of the whole universe and globe all inside of you, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I, it's I, a burden and other times it's a gift. Right. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, all right, let's see a few more. Um, Joe Sue Clausen, uh, he said, DJ Deck, my friend, gave you a turntable cover at the airport in Peru. Will you use them? <laughs> I don't know. A turntable cover. A turntable cover. I definitely use turntable covers. I can't remember that particular one. But yes, turntable yes, covers using are it. the bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dope, dope. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, sure they're on one of them. I'm sure they're yeah. on one of them. We're using them. The Peru, the Peruvian turntable covers are being used. Um, all right. Let's see. DJ I'm sure Fat I still Fingers. Have yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you got them somewhere. I save um, all that stuff. Let's see. We got some DJs hitting me with questions. Uh, Fat Fingers from New York, uh, legendary DJ. He wrote in a bunch of questions. Actually, he hit me at like four in the morning last night. He was like, "Yo, I got all these questions." <laughs> He's like, "Sorry if I seem like Chris Farley from the Saturday Night Live skit." Like, and I was like, "No, nah, it's all good." Like, you know, and he used to be like, "Remember when you went on tour and that was cool? That was cool." <laughs> I'm yeah, like, "No, nah, man, yeah. it's all good." Yeah. But uh, he said yeah. he actually refers to one of your scratches. He says, "Those flares you did on Pardon Me, do you still?" Do you still keep up now? So we covered that, that you've been yes, practicing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. the, that's actually, that's like the most challenging part when I'm on tour, because that particular scratch is short and real fast. And, yeah. you know, you got to nail it when it comes up, you got to nail it. You can't flub your way through it. So, right. so, 
you know, there's not a lot of time for me to practice when I'm on tour. Yeah. Most of the time. But but since the portable scene has gotten huge, I travel with a portable all the time and all the time in my hotel room and right before we go on stage, I'm yeah. rocking that portable. Like Dope. like it's like it's like keeping my cuts up and it's keeping that because, you know, as a DJ, especially getting older, like you have to maintain I know. Those chops, because uh, you yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not in my early twenties anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I want to get that uh, rain one like that. That seems like a dope thing to bring around and be able to practice on because it has the moving platters. It's small yeah. but solid. That, that thing's pretty it, sick. That thing looks dope. Yeah, it looks pretty sick. Yeah, I just, I just, I'm stoked on the phase beta release with the. You oh, know, me too. It's like I've, I've struggled with phase. I, I've been using them on stage for a couple you know how they've been out a year year and a half now yeah so well maybe two years because yeah it's been out a few years yeah there's a whole year we missed but there's been so much like latency problems with it and connecting with the radio frequency while we're all on radio packs and there's all kinds of great like live and it's been such a nightmare but i still will not give up on those and i keep rocking them and the needle's always there so i so i kind of rock both and now Same. I think with this new update, I know it's only a beta version, but it seems like it's a lot tighter. I and know. I, I'm like, I'm kind of digging it. I hope it. Yeah. I hope it's like the the cure for me. I think so. so. I mean, you don't have to plug in the RCAs. It's like fully integrated into Serato. So, yeah. are you on Serato or Tractor or both? I'm or on Serato. You? I I had a. Uh, I've gone through the gambit. You know, I started with Scratch yeah. Live, and and then Tractor came out, and you know, Tractor had a few things that were just, they fit what I was doing with the band a lot better. Yeah. And I think they actually, you know, I think they actually killed the game there for a while for Scratch DJs. And then, right for some reason, they kind of just left Scratch DJs behind, I feel. You know, and I don't, maybe it's yeah. just me, but they kind of catered more to the EDM DJ. And they went, okay, what do you guys need? Let's build these things and just put all this stuff into our mixers and our software for you guys and then forgot about us. Yeah. And right. And I'm watching all these guys on Serato, which is you know, now Serato yeah. DJ Pro. And I'm like, man, whoa, they're doing all this pitch stuff and you know, they got all these effects and they're doubling up effects and all and I'm like, okay, I kind of feel like I'm getting left behind now. By right. holding on to this tractor, so I just I just up and switched around the same time Craze did. Yeah. Uh, when I started talking to the Serato peeps, they were like, "Yeah, we can't name these other DJs, but there's a couple that are got the exact same thought as you." And then, sure enough, like a couple weeks later, there's you know these videos know. with these DJs, Craze being one of them. I know. Yeah, I mean, Tractor, Native Instruments, like, that was the other thing, too. We were having to, like, if you wanted to use Machine, you had to, like, hack into the system to even use it. I'm like, you guys should be making it easier for us. I wanted to bring Machine with me on the road and be able to use the MIDI pads and use it for all these things, but it was too confusing for it to pair with everything. So I'm like, I got to stick to my one thing and then just figure out MIDI controllers to pair with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was running like complete and tractor and it wasn't all syncing up. Right. And I don't, we don't run a lot. I don't run a lot of sync on stage or anything. I don't use any kind of MIDI. We don't use, I don't MIDI with the drums. We just have a click track going. So like all the turntables mixing, like all the background vocals, that's like, 
real mixing. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's nobody pushing buttons. It's not set to time code. It's not, right. you know, none of that. So I needed all that stuff to work seamlessly. And it just was this, it right. got to a point where one would work great. Like, like a lot of that NKS stuff is really cool. I yeah. dig that side of it, playing the keys inside. But, but yeah, I was just got, I kind of got jealous of all the Serato DJs doing the I coolest know, shit. And that and new, like, uh, right. the, the Pioneer S11 is just crazy next I, level. My wife got that for my, for Christmas and I've just Ooh. been messing with it. And it's so like, much fun. Have you messed with the tones? Yeah. Like you can put a square wave, a sine wave, and yeah. a saw wave. Well, you, I, I used to do that on my S9. Uh, oh, really? And uh, yeah, because S9 does that too. And uh, actually, uh, DJ Dynamics showed me that. He was he was what? here. We were having a scratch session one day, and he came over and he was like, "Yeah, check what I've been doing out." And he just he was just rocking it. And I was like, "Oh, this does that?" And he's like, "Yeah, you just you go into this mode and." You hit this button and, and I didn't you got know to that. synthesize it. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yes. It's crazy, yes. man. But I've been messing with that. It's easier now with the S11 yeah. because it's like, it's right there, you know. Right. You've got the, the screen. I go in, I sign them to the thing and then you can put them on, it, it'll match the pitch of your song, which is dope. Or yeah. you can just have it free flow in and sort of make it sound like Jazzy Jeff summertime or, you know, like more, yeah. like go up and down. Yeah. 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 So much so crazy. crazy. Shit. I, I've been, I've. I dig the uh, the scratch pad. That's you my know, favorite you, thing in the world. I never want to like, go back. Okay, mine's mine's. I, you know, I'm putting all kinds of things in there because I'm just experimenting with it right now. But yeah. right now, it's like with the in order of the pad, just like fresh. Ah, uh, break it down. Oh, yeah, yeah, hoo ha, good. You know, I, know. I got them all right there, and I'm I mixing it, and, and you just can like have right through it. You could have banks too. So you could have the A bank, B bank, C bank, D bank. And the crazy, I saw someone do a routine. So they put all their songs. So they made the scratch bank the routine. So they, oh. I never even thought about that because you could have the whole song. So they yeah, just you put the whole song there. They put eight songs in a row. So one of them is still their scratches. But if they go to B bank and they're like, I got this routine that I do, they don't have to have a crate and load up each thing. All they do is boom, every boom, song, boom, boom. they go to the scratch bank, all the songs are ready to go. So it's like, you know, yeah, motherfucker, I'm the best. Here we go. Doom, da, doom, doom, doom. Yeah. And, and you could have it on both sides and be putting in the instrumental and the thing and just, so you, it's like a battle bank. It's like a routine bank if you want it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. blew my mind yeah. too. Cause I'm like, I just love this because of scratching, but I didn't even think about that. Wow. So if yeah. you're going to do, yeah. you're going to go on Serato channel and you want to flex and do a crazy routine and not have to have tons of crates you just have it ready to go in there which is just, just right there boom mind-blowing yeah, yeah. That's but crazy. i love it like tuesday i'm on my yeah. twitch and like anytime i'm like i'm gonna scratch right now you know so i'm like boom just right in scratch right back and the fact <laughs> yeah. that it's smart enough it turns off the pitch correction thing for you automatically yeah. right back on so you yeah. could like cut all slow like you know and it'll yeah it won't like yeah. try to correct it so i was like yo you guys are yeah. geniuses <laughs> yeah and then yeah. there's it's, other crazy tricks sick. too i've been talking to drew drew bach from pioneer and he showed me some crazy shit like i'll show you later you know like you yeah. can add in these yeah. midi things and things that i was like what this has made my life so much easier and so much more fun and he was showing me um, things i can do with the four decks and so i was having an acapella running and then having the two there's four decks virtually and then i was yeah. bringing in boom 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 back and forth it takes practice but there's it's fun yeah yeah 
Oh, we're gonna so, have to have a sesh. Yes, I'll show we're you. I gotta show you. Uh, sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, you might know him already, but I gotta link you up with him if not, because he's he's a genius. I mean, anything. Oh, I was like, how yeah. do we do this? And he's like, well, boom, and he'll like figure it all out. And yeah, yeah, crazy. Oh, um, that's, that's sick. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you after all this. Uh, I'll show you whatever I know about NFTs and weird MIDI functions on the S11. <laughs> Word um, up. But uh, yeah, a couple more questions and then we can get out of here. Uh, Fat Fingers also wants to know if you used um, marshmallow breaks for your cuts on Pardon Me. He said he's a big fan. A marshmallow breaks? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. <laughs> it just sounds off there, I guess. Um, all right, let's see. I mean, a, lot says, of those, a lot of those break records got the same sounds. They got all got sure. the same shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see what else we got on here. Um, what uh, Jackson de Belmont says, what do you have planned for the Morning View 20th anniversary? Oh, we kind of talked about that before. But. Yeah, we had a tour planned. Uh, you know, we're trying to tour as soon as we can. If we can get out the, by the end of the year, that's probably what we'll be doing. And if yeah. we got to push it back till next year, then maybe we'll do that as well. Yeah. But, you know, right now, it's just like we're in a holding pattern. Right. Yeah. Just waiting to, waiting to set it off again. Um, Ryan Sweater asked, where do you find your favorite samples? What's your favorite place to find samples? I mean, my favorite place to find samples are my, my keyboards, you yeah. know, especially I, I've actually been working on a scratch record, uh, oh. like, I don't know about a scratch record, but like a scratch bank kind of like, kind yeah. of like that. And, and, you know, it's all ARP 2600 sounds. And oh, I don't know so if you cool. know, if you don't know the ARP 2600, look it up, look yeah. it up. Yeah. They got, they got, uh, they got you know it's one of the most iconic instruments of the of early rock and roll music you know classic rock and it's it's also the instrument that you know made all the r2d2 sounds and all the star wars sounds and and things like yeah. that so it's just a crazy versatile synthesizer it's you know a modular thing so yeah. so you know that i've been getting a lot of inspiration and a lot of a lot of different samples from that and yeah. you know like i said earlier uh, you know, the environment, you know, there's, right. there's things all around us, like in morning view, for example, you know, the, the whole frog ending, it were frogs outside of our place. When we were recording, we just stuck a yeah. microphone out the window, recorded the frogs. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. 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 Those sounds, wait, I'm going to grab this thing. Look, like even this little keyboard that like, I got this uh, Korg um, Monotron. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's you can make shit that sounds exactly like R two D two. And like, my son will always come in, and then I'll find him in his room. He'll grab this thing, and then he'll be in there like, and I'm like, oh, I can yeah. scratch that. Like, whatever you're doing, like, like save that because it's infinite. Like, it never. Yep. You'll never make the same sound uh, twice, I, right? I, I mean, I've got all kinds of little keep little electronic gadgets and samplers and weird stuff that just makes noises. Yeah. All that I stuff's cool to me. Yeah. yeah just so like much that. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. You can like, it's like, you could just endless. I always think like, Oh, just record like, that. Yeah. And then you put and it in. Chop your it fucking, up. 
Yeah, yeah. So much fun. Like these little, I love these little ones that are coming out and stuff. Um, dope. All right. Well, I mean, it's funny. I'm going through these questions and we really um, answered like so many of them. So hopefully you guys got a lot out of the interview because um, people are just asking like, when's the next album and this and that. Uh, does your back and neck ever hurt after getting down during Megalomaniac <laughs> Air Killmore? That's uh, Shireeni Shireeni Weenie asked that. Yeah, I know Shireeni Weenie. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. She probably knows it's yes, but yeah, I, I, we were <laughs> yeah. The, the last time we were in Austin, I was rocking out hard, and you know my hair is definitely not light. And I just, you know, and I'm definitely not young like I used to be. And the next thing I know, I'm like, oh, my back. And I'm up, we're upstage in the middle of the set. And I'm like, oh, that was not good. Something cracked and it cracked oh, in the wrong shit. way. And I was laid out for a few days while on tour. And it was tough. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been there. Damn. That's yeah, right. Crazy. Oh, um, all right. Well, shit. We ended off with a, a one of, of your other hobby. Um, Pow Life Four says, even though it's a small mountain, do you miss Round Top? I assume that's a skiing, snowboarding type question. That's a really small little ski hill in my hometown where I grew up. I, I grew up like maybe one song away from this mountain, and I would always you know, uh, one song about. away. Oh yeah, one song away. Can you hear me? Yeah, Can you hear me? yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, and I would always bump like uh, you know, I don't know. I was I was in high school. I was just it was, it was all about public enemy. So it was like oh. bring the noise or or fight the power, rebel without yeah. a pause. You know, anything like that. Yeah, you know, and I just I play one song and it'll be it, and that'll be that. But yeah, I, I was there. I was there like every day, and that's something I did after school. And it's just something, you know, we'd go night skiing and I just, it was close and that's what I did. And that's why I think that's why I like that as a hobby as well. Right. And so you go skiing, yeah. you snowboard too, or just skiing? I tried snowboarding a little bit, but I, I like skiing better. It's just, right. you know, I, I don't like taking the board, my feet out and putting them back in. And then especially right. when I'm on the heel edge or your toe edge and you got to traverse, yeah. it's, you know, it's just easier. Life's easier on a pair of skis life's easier on a pair of skis that's <laughs> yeah. like a good motto yeah. i know when i saw yeah. z trip like break his collarbone snowboarding i'm like yeah, damn dude be careful like yeah oh my yeah. god yeah, i went just, up funny. like oh no, i was say red red bull brought us up to dj for the x games one time like this whole like red bull dj team and they had me go with louis vito he's in the x games and he teaches me to snowboard i'm like i got this and like the next day just broke my ribs like i was like yeah i was all fucked yeah. up for two months i was like i still kept dj and i was like oh god i can't even you know breathe or do anything yeah like, yeah a buddy of mine who was just telling me a story one of his friends older guy uh was trying to snowboard just learning how to snowboard and the first day he broke four ribs yeah and i'm like i'm like when you fall on a snowboard it's hard so if you're if you're an older person i wouldn't recommend trying to learn how to snowboard I have not gone young. since then. Yeah, this was probably <laughs> seven years ago. I remember my son was like a few months old and, and like, oh, no, actually, I broke my ankle. That was the other thing. But yeah, I, I did it like right before he was born. But yeah, it was uh, I was like, what, what the fuck was I thinking? That was not. Yeah, you fall hard. So if, <laughs> you, if you want to snowboard, just do it when you're young and, and get good so you don't fall that hard. Yeah. Right. Or so you come back from it. And, uh, yeah. Dope. Yo, well, thank you so much for coming on here, man. It was so good talking to you and, and learning yeah, about all well. this stuff. Man. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, before we get out, you got any like last words for the DJs out there? Any words of encouragement or um, just anything you want to say? A message? I mean, I think we hit most of it. I, you know, I do too. one thing that stuck out from the conversation that we had is like, you know, don't 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 be that guy that thinks you know everything. Like, take the yeah. opportunities that 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 you you get by talking to other people. You know, com- take take what you can out of conversations like this and and expand your palate. Yeah, you know, like totally. I think that's really important. I think you know all the good DJs that have gone far, all of them from you know like a Rob Swift or or a Qbert or a Crazy yeah. Z Trip, anybody, you know that's what they've done. You know, yeah, they've taken they've taken advice from other people. They've they've asked for advice. You know, they they take criticism, and you know, like don't think you know everything, and always try yeah. to learn. You know. Yeah. And just, yeah, exactly. Listen. I think that's the most important thing. All those people you described, listen, they actually listen to things and hear it and and internalize it. And they don't just block it out. Like I know everything. And, and just the people that just talk shit and they're not listening are the ones that are not learning and not enjoying life and not progressing. So that's the truth. You could talk, you could talk shit if it's part of your nature, but you know, you're going to be tested. You better be able to back that shit up. And there's some, yeah, you know, that's a, you're gonna that's do a, a fifty thousand dollar craze battle. <laughs> yeah, there's only one guy that can do that. <laughs> well, maybe there's a couple. Yeah, but maybe there's a couple. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, enter, I wouldn't enter that battle. I'll tell you that. No, I don't think so. I'm happy to watch it, but I don't think I could enter yeah. it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it. Oh, me yeah. too. I wonder. I wonder what that's all about. We'll see. Um, yeah. Dope. All right. Well, yo, DJ Kilmore, yeah, thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, we got the. We got the Goldie Awards finals coming up here. I know. I'm excited. So to I'm see excited that. to watch that. Yeah. Yo, yeah, did that's you watch DJ that? I'm. Did you watch ahead. at all the the like finals, like for the people to even get no, into just it? Just the highlights. Just the highlights. Yes. Yeah. Did you see Lazy saw, Boy? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. That was I, my crazy. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. He's he's another he's another crazy dude. He and, took it to such and, uh, a next level. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. He really used all the technology like at his disposal. Like, I gotta get him on this podcast too to just pick. Oh, you gotta get him. You gotta get Buck Rogers if you haven't had Buck Rogers on yet. Buck Rogers is great. Yeah, for sure. We've been talking about him coming on for a while, and he's the homie. He's one of those people like you described before, where I went to Austin for South by Southwest. I went into some weird room at three in the morning and everyone was smoking and we're all hanging out. We don't have a scratch session with an octagon of things. And he's one of the guys and he gets on and I'm like, okay, first of all, he's the best. That's unbelievable. And then he's playing the fucking keys. And then he's like the coolest dude ever. And then he's like, yo, we're leaving this spot. Let's go get food and then come to my house. I end up going to eat. Going, I never even met him. We were at his house till the sun came up. Literally just scratching, talking shit, having fun, laughing. And now like we talk all the time. I see him on Twitch. Like I got nothing but love for that guy. Endless support. Like I'm always inspired by him. Um, yeah, so, me too. Yeah. Me too. Same experience, and his Twitch feed is insane. I love it. Visu- insane. Visually, visually, he's the best one I, I, uh, I see. It's crazy, he's just, dude. All he's just ahead of the game. Oh my god! All those yeah. filters. I'm like, put me up on just yeah. a percentage of how you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and he does it. He, I mean, he does most of it himself. You know, he's there. Know. He's there switching everything. It's like okay. 
I know. It's been dope. Like EVGA, the PC company, has been really cool with uh, getting into the DJ game and helping all of us get it. So, like, they helped. uh, They built me a computer to really step up my stream and make it next level. And I got a shout out OG Arabian Prince, uh, NWA. He's the one that linked me up with them and sort of put me onto the whole PC game. And he's been helping all the DJs switch over from Mac. Like, I'm still on Mac for DJing and for a lot of things and for this. But for the for the live streaming, um, the PCs are dope. And EVGA makes these products, and so they built him a crazy one. And they were telling me like, we've never even seen. people do what he's doing and we make the computer (laughs) yeah yeah that's yeah yeah that's that's so great watching all these guys and girls yeah Yeah. Yeah. and girls yo for real you know so because i'm this upcoming month like this is going to come out i think in the beginning of march and march um i think is like a women's history month and um i've been trying to make a point to get more women on here and have more you know more of a female presence like on here but um you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying. It's it's always a work in progress. So for anyone listening, yeah. thinks I'm not doing as good of a job. I'm trying. I promise. So I'm gonna make a point to next month to get as many more. You know, really get a lot more women on here because you've seen through this quarantine, there's so many amazing girl DJs. Literally, girl DJs like you saw in um, the Goldies. There's an eight year old girl that's smashing yeah. it harder than any guy or girl or anybody. I mean, she's unbelievable yeah. and she has true yeah. passion for it. Yeah. And so, what's the two twins? The two girl I twins? Love them. Uh, oh my God. Uh, Ma- uh, I mean, Kayla and yeah. Samira and Kayla, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yo, their cuts are so tight and, I mean, and some of their juggles. I'm just like, what? That's the thing. Like, like, I first started watching them, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I support them. They're dope." Then I was like, "Wow, that's inspiring." Now I'm like, "Okay, that's intimidating. Like, what's going on here?" Like, yeah, they're... yeah, it's crazy watching their progress because you're wow. watching it, and every time I see them, I'm like, "Who's teaching them?" Because <laughs> I don't know. They are going to the next level. I want to. Like, I want to meet so their parents. Bad. They're crazy. Yeah. I just saw the recent video a few days ago and I, my mind was blown. Like their yeah. cuts were so clean and dope and they're so happy and supportive of each other. Yeah. It's such a like yeah. great vibe that you get just through an Instagram video, you know? So I yeah, love seeing great. that. It'd be so great to do a lot of women for women's month because, you know, it, getting a, a female D, DJ's perspective, I'm sure is yeah. crazy interesting because it's, you yeah. know, Super sure. male dominated. It is yeah. male dominated, which is probably why we've had a lot more men on this show because that's like what I'm used to. And being an old DJ, it's like hard to yeah. get stuck in that thing. But I've been trying to push forward. We have had some amazing women on here, but I want to do it more. And um, listeners, if you got recommendations, please hit me with them who you want to see because I, I love that. I want to show more love to them. And Twitch, obviously, they've been taking over. Some of the biggest streams are women who are dope they're not it's not just because they're wearing a cool like shirt or something you know what i mean like you can't blame it on any other factor they are actually putting in the work they're really dope they can select dope music they can mix together they could do all the stuff if not better than a lot of these dudes that are just complaining (laughs) so um yeah 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 i support i support for sure for sure dope all right, cool. Well, um, let's uh, we'll, we'll get out of here, and um, thank you again, and we'll 
I'll see you soon. Hopefully we'll get an in-person scratch session or something pretty soon. Yeah. 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 We'll get the dogs together. Yeah. We got to get the dogs together. All right. Yeah. Now that I know we live close, we're doing an interview from like two minutes away. So I'll uh, I'll hit you up after this. (laughs) Yeah. Please do. Um, Please do. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. That was interesting. All right, that was it. Massive thank you to DJ Kilmore for coming on the 20 podcast. That was great. So interesting. I felt like we could have talked forever. Such a great dude. Such a great DJ. I loved it. Um, You guys are also so great. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Hit me, as I said before, in my DMs at DJ Spider um, on Instagram or on Twitter, D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R on Instagram, D-J-S-P-I-D-E-R. Hit me on there. I'm here to help you guys. I really appreciate the support and I want to support you. If there's anything you want me to include on the show topic wise, uh, I am here to do that and answer those questions. The 20 podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'll see you next week. Peace. And that was the 20 with DJ Spider.